Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. You're going to be able to bring in a, a guy like Gibson who is really on top of his game right now, then you're going to have to get into the top 10 of your prospect list. And that's that's kind of beyond where a lot of teams have been willing to go near the trade deadline now. So if you do it now, then you're talking about June, July, August, September. That's quite a bit of value that you can get out of that player. So maybe you can do that. Um, whereas if you're waiting around for a guy like Scherzer, if that were to happen, that's probably not going to be until right at the trade deadline. And by then, the Cardinals may, may be on the verge of getting healthy with the rotation. That was Bradford Doolittle of ESPN on with us yesterday talking about the Cardinals' decisions that are coming up. And with Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We want to hear from you guys today. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Also, the Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. Tanner wouldn't know this reference, but we all in this room do. Let's play a game of choose your own adventure, just like we did with the storybook whenever we were kids. It's nice not having a 20-year-old in here with (laughs) us that doesn't know what we're talking about. Cardinals trade edition of choose your own adventure. Those books were the best, man. They were fantastic. You've got two options. Yep. Option number one, this is your first lane. The Cardinals make a trade right now. And in return, you get a mid-level starter. Think Kyle Gibson-esque. Whether it's him or somebody else that's out there that we don't know the name yet, somebody like that is going to consistently give you six innings, quality starts, 300 runs or fewer. That's kind of the type of guy that you would be acquiring. But if you do this now, it also comes with the understanding that you're not making a deal at the deadline. This is it. You get a mid-level starter, and then that's your team moving forward, and hopefully everybody gets healthy. Or, Alex, option number two. You don't acquire anybody right now. You try to figure this thing out with what you have internally over the next six weeks or so, and then you give yourself the opportunity to add that big piece at the deadline. There are no guarantees. Maybe Max Scherzer doesn't ever get traded, and you end up kind of between a rock and a hard place at that point. Or it's possible you do end up with Max Scherzer, and maybe you even add more at the deadline. My God, there's so much going on in this choose-your-own-adventure. So option one, you get the mid-level starter now, but you add nothing at the deadline. Option two, you add nothing now, but have the p- possibility of adding a big-time player at the deadline. Which path are you choosing, I'm Alex going Rario? option two. I'm going option two, and, and here's why. I think the cost for option one is going to be very similar to the cost of option two. Because of what Michael Gersh said yesterday, teams can smell desperation. If you're Texas and the Cardinals call about Kyle Gibson, I'm asking Nolan Gorman. And that's that's the starting and end point for me. 
And if it gets better, then great. If they go lower, I'm not making a deal because you need what I have and I'm not giving it up. That just gets better if Gibson keeps getting better. I'm waiting until the trade deadline if I'm John Mozeliak. One, it's that internal competition we talk about. Let's find out what we have. Let's see what these assets are. Let's see what Johan Oviedo looks like with a couple of months of starting in the rotation. Let's see if John Gann can continue to be Harry Houdini on the mound. Hmm. What KK has to offer. If my roster gets healthier come July 31st, I'm still going out there to make that big trade deadline acquisition. But it just strengthens my team more. If I make a move now... It's going to cost me a lot, and I don't know if that's going to get me what I want in terms of going to the Holy Land, which is a World Series contention. The Holy Land? That's right. It's the Holy Land. We're going for it, baby. Marty, what would you do? You you go option one where you trade now or option two where you wait to the deadline? I'm going the latter. I think you just need to kind of weather the storm here the next few weeks. You know, play some 500 ball. I think... You know, the Cubs are overachieving. Brewers, not sure about them. But I think you just need to play 500 ball the next few weeks, and then you're going to be in a position where you're still only two and a half games out of first right now. And I still think this team wins a division, but I think you wait things out. So I'm going to say something that is the typical BK answer. It depends. Oh, God. <laughs> it depends here. What does it feel like when you ride the fence 24-7? It's so does great, it hurt man. the rump? No, 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 no. It feels great. Oh, okay. it's, it, it's got a little cushion on there because they it, know I'm going to be back oh, soon. Oh, you just put that, that cushion there just in case. <laughs> um, It depends on KK. If KK, if they truly believe he's going to be back in the 10 days and it's going to take nothing more. So he basically misses one start because you've got a couple of off days this week. And that means next week he misses a start and you just have one spot start for him there. You could make it through that. And when KK returns, hopefully you'll be fine. And then you find a way to make this thing through. If he's going to be out a little longer or if there's even a threat that he's going to be out a little longer and his back's not quite uh, rehabbing the way they expected it to. I think you've got to go make a deal now. I think this team is ripe for making a deal for a guy like Kyle Gibson, Jose Barrios, whoever the player is that you would deem as being that mid-level, like number two on a solid team, number three probably on a really good team, that type of a starter. I think that's what they're missing right now. And even if that means coming at the cost of not being able to go out there and get Scherzer or a higher-end starter at the deadline, I think it's worth it for the Cardinals. I think this team... If they end up, if it is, let's go with Kyle Gibson as being that name, right? I think he can slide in as a number two and you feel really good about your team going into the postseason. Mm -hmm. If you're telling me going into the playoffs, you've got Jack Flaherty healthy as your number one, Kyle Gibson healthy as your number two, Wayno as your number three, and then an open competition for that number four slot in a seven-game series between Carlos, KK, and Michaelis, if he's healthy, I feel pretty damn good about that, given what your offense is right now, especially if everybody's healthy at that point, too. Okay, do you feel better if that name is Max Scherzer instead of Kyle Gibson? Of course I do, but I don't know that I make the playoffs if Max Scherzer is on if, is not available to me until the deadline. I think these next three weeks could determine it. And the Cardinals are going up starting June 22nd against Detroit, Pittsburgh, Arizona, Colorado. That is their schedule from June 22nd to the 4th of July. This team has to win the vast majority of those games. You got to win two out of every three games against those teams. And with their current uh, rotation, I'm not sure they're capable of doing that. Yeah, but that. those games, you're going to get what? Th three starts from Kyle Gibson? Okay, that's three victories. Yeah. 
that's fine. But um, what happens in the other seven, eight, nine victories? I mean, you could win those three with Kyle Gibson, and the team sucks the rest of the time, and it doesn't matter that you got Kyle Gibson. But the thing that he does is there's a cascading effect, right? We've seen this with the Cardinals starters where they don't go deep into games, and now suddenly the next game, it's an avalanche, and your bullpen is, is fried. You don't have the guys available that you would expect to. And now it becomes two in a row that you lose. And hopefully by game three, maybe Wayno goes deep for you. You're able to stop the bleeding. But Kyle Gibson can also do that for you. So it's bigger than just one start. It's what he also does for your bullpen. He makes your bullpen stronger by not forcing you to use five, maybe even six innings in those starts that would otherwise go to Jake Woodford. Daniel Ponce de Leon. Oh, I mean, the upgrade from those guys to Kyle Gibson is oh. massive. Absolutely massive. From the 980. So Alex wants to wait till the trade deadline, which makes no sense because you'll be in fourth place by then. I'm going option number one. If you wait till the trade deadline, then you're going to be in fourth place and then you won't be able to catch up with the Chicago Cubs, Reds, or Milwaukee Brewers. First of all, send those into the mic drops at um, on the 101 ESPN app, the Rhino Shield mic drop, so we can get to those later. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't think this team's just going to drop all the way down to fourth place. I know they are right now because of this losing streak that they're in, but I still believe this team will be competitive. Like Katie Wu talked about it with us yesterday. That's a lot of games consecutively that they just went through. I want to see what this team looks like. Now, look, if they go out there against the Cleveland Indians and they don't score anything and they get blown up and then they have the day off and then they go to Chicago and get blown up, well, then there are no more excuses. Then I do think I'm going to flip back to option one and say, yeah, why don't you go get somebody now? But for me, I think this team can be competitive with these teams that are lower level, that these teams are not playoff contending teams. You just need to be competitive with these teams. Yeah, you, you need, need to, to win go 500. Series. You win series and you're still in this race. Even if you're three, four, five game backs of the Chicago Cubs and you wait until the trade deadline on July 31st and go out there and acquire Max Scherzer. That's all of August and all of September that you're able to go out there and make some moves you can catch you can catch those teams that you're far behind. You're not going to drop 15 games out of first place in the division in a matter of three weeks. And we've seen what this team can look like at its best. I mean, you you go back to late April, early May. They played for three weeks as if they were the best team in baseball. So we've seen them have that type of a ceiling. It's a matter of being able to reach that again. And really, it's a matter of getting back to full health for them. I think the thing for me that is very important to keep in mind is that the NL Central is probably going to be a one-bid di division. I think what you're seeing right now is that the Giants are the team that is putting the pressure on everybody in this NL Central. Them being 37-22 and 22 changes everything about the way that I looked at the National League this year. I thought you would get two teams out of the West, with it being the Padres and the Dodgers, and then you'd get at, at least one out of both the NL East and the Central. And I thought you'd get two potentially out of the Central because the NL East had the potential of really kind of beating up on each other. I think now the NL East and the NL Central are both going to get one team into the postseason and the West is going to get three. And if that ends up being the case, man, you've got to start being able to make a little headway in this division. You've got to start putting a little bit of distance between yourself and the Brewers and the Cubs. Being able to do that now has a lot of value. So I would go make the deal right now, I think. But again, it all does kind of depend on where you're at with KK. We want to hear from you guys. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. You've also got the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. And I've got a poll up on this. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at BK Sports Talk. I asked this on Twitter. 
which which route would you go in this choose your own adventure path you guys want to know where the results are right now i think i know where they are but go what ahead would you guess i would say they're probably option two 72 percent of yeah. the audience would rather wait till the deadline than go out there and add somebody right now if it means coming at the cost of not adding anybody at the deadline and i think it would because to your point earlier alex i think it would take a lot i think you'd have to give up more than what you'd be what what you'd want to to be yeah. able to go get somebody in the here and now yeah it's 11 15 your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers and officially licensed rolex jeweler coming up in about 15 minutes or so we're going to talk to our blues insider jeremy rutherford about what the blues could potentially do this offseason and speaking of that offseason alex it's big fish time oh we're going big game hunting we'll talk about who the <sighs> latest candidate is God, next yes. on 101 espn I mean, if I'm the Flames, I personally wouldn't be moving Matthew. I think he's a really impactful piece, and he's shown in the past that he can be the heartbeat of this hockey team, and I don't think one down season changes that, in my opinion. Um, of course, if you know Jack Eichel's available, a, a player of that caliber, nobody's untouchable. Um, that's kind of my understanding of the situation, but you know, I don't think there's a first sale sign outside where Matthew Kachuk's concerned in Calgary an interesting way to look at it she does not think that he is available that was Haley salvian who was fine. on with the fast She's lane the yesterday Calgary beat rider she shouldn't think that way matthew kachuk is the latest off-season profile that we need to look at alex yes, we because do. we have talked ad nauseum about hey could they go get gabriel landeskog the number one need for the blues right now is that top line left winger and the blues are going to be going out there trying to find somebody to fill that spot Gabriel Landeskog makes a ton of sense. He's an unrestricted free agent after the year. If the Avs are not able to bring him back because of all of the other players that they've got to re-sign, he would be right up at the top, if not the top, of my wish list. Matthew Kachuk might be right there with him, though. I think he's higher than him. He is young. He brings the grittiness that the Blues are missing right now. He plays stylistically in a way that makes a ton of sense up there with David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly. And, of course, he's a Kachuk, so this is home for him. When I hear Jamie Rivers go on the fast line and he brings up what it would potentially take to acquire a guy like Matthew Kachuk, Alex, I was sitting there grinning from ear to ear as I was on my way home last night listening to this. Matthew Kachuk is going to have your biggest return in a trade. And if you're the St. Louis Blues... Believe it or not, you have pieces that you can send the other way. Exactly. And we talked about landing a big fish. Gabriel Landeskog, we talked about, oh, how great he is. Matthew Kachuk's numbers, not only do they rival, they're, they're better mm -hmm. than Gabriel Landeskog. And you talk about bringing some sandpaper to the lineup. Oh, I, I'm entertaining sending 91 back to the Flames. That's not all that it's going to take. I think you're looking at uh, maybe moving Vince Dunn. Now, the finishing touches to this one here. It's Robert Thomas. It's Robert Thomas. It is. <laughs> if I'm that side, that's who I'm asking. It for. is. Right. It is because if you're moving on from uh, Monahan and Goudreau, you need another playmaking type guy up the middle of the ice, and he could be that player of the future for the, for the right. Calgary Flames. So that's probably the big shiny piece that gets it done. So it would be Tarasenko, just to clarify what that trade potential would be, and this is him just, hey, this is kind of, kind of what it would potentially look like if the Blues wanted <clears throat> to make a deal like this. Tarasenko, Vince Dunn, Robert Thomas. Those would be the three that he mentioned. Maybe it is more, Alex, but 
if that's what it takes to get a Matthew Kachuk, if you're in Doug Armstrong's shoes, yes. is that something you're interested oh in making happen? God, yes. I'm making that phone call now to find out. This is such an interesting predicament, too, for the Calgary Flames. And Haley, of course, was talking about this, the Calgary Flames beat writer. I mean, he is no question in line to be Calgary's captain after Mark Giordano's contract is up next season. I mean, the guy's 37 years old. He might even be taken in the Seattle expansion draft. Matthew Kachuk looks like a captain, but so does Sean Monahan for the team. Another 26-year-old player that's with the team for the next two seasons before he's an unrestricted free agent. Matthew's a restricted free agent after next season, which means Calgary has his control. But for how long? Because Matthew may not want to be there. Calgary's got to figure out where they're at right now. They need a different look to their roster. So if that's the offer that Doug Armstrong's presenting to Calgary, frankly, for me, I think it's also going to include the name Jordan Cairo. Like, it's going to include... I can't do that. I can't do that either. But it's I, can't going do, to, I can't do Thomas and Cairo. No, it's going to include one, or the one other. of those. It's going to include one or the other. I would think it's going to be Cairo over Thomas because you're giving up a goal scorer. They're going to want a goal scorer in I can't return. can't do that if I'm Doug Armstrong. I'm pulling the trigger on that move. On Cairo? Yeah, 100%. Oh, I don't know what Jordan. See, I think you're robbing Peter to pay Paul at that point. I, I don't think that I don't think you are, though. I don't think Jordan Cairo is ever going to be what Matthew Kachuk is. He's not. He's different. He's definitely different. But if you're looking at the bottom line production, I think you're getting pretty similar in terms of the, the goal scoring production. See, I don't I don't know if Jordan Cairo is ever going to be a 30 goal scorer. I know Matthew Kachuk's going to be a 30 goal scorer. And I also know Matthew Kachuk's going to play the way that your head coach wants to play. It's all about chemistry right now within your group it's all about guys playing the system that Craig Berube wants to play right like David Perron talked with Jeremy about this it's an identity crisis you got to figure out who you are well Matthew Kachuk is everything that Craig Berube wants to be he's your top line winger he's a guy who's going to give you 30 plus goals in a season and he's going to play it with an edge which I think matches everything that they need now I'm not saying it's going to be Kyra over Thomas because I do think uh, Jamie is right of course he is it's Jamie Rivers I mean, Robert Thomas is a desirable player because he can be a second-line center, which he's never going to be for the Blues because Braden Shen has that locked down. But the part that gets me is, would Vladimir Tarasenko waive his no-trade clause to go to Calgary? That's the part I don't know. Yeah, if he would, then this becomes really interesting. We've got to just assume in this scenario that he would because that's, that's all that we can operate under. I think for me, if you're trading a guy like Jordan Kyrou, you get really thin really quickly with this roster because at that point you love your top line. Who's on your second line with Braden Shin? If you trade both Vladimir Tarasenko and Jordan Cairo, say that again. Who's on your third line? Who's on your second line? Oh, on your second line. Cause you don't have Jaden Schwartz. He's an unrestricted free agent. I don't know who the wingers. Are. I think you could bring back Jaden Schwartz because if you're getting rid of Tarasenko, the salary, money's not all that different because it's seven million dollars for Matthew Kachuk yeah, next but, year. But, but so you're, you're only you're only adding five hundred thousand dollars. But you're also not going to be re-signing one of those restricted free agents, which are going to cost you one or two million dollars. Yeah, but the Blues are already kind of up against it, and you've got to go out there and add more. It, it becomes very difficult to be able to make this roster deep again if you're getting rid of Jor- Jordan Cairo because now you you still do have a third line center in Robert Thomas which is good, but you almost have too much depth at that point at center and not enough on the wing. So if I'm making this deal, it has to include Robert Thomas and cannot include uh, Jordan Cairo. For me, I understand if you're saying, hey, the upgrade is going from Jordan Cairo to Matthew Kachuk. you got to make that deal. I totally get that. 
but they're in their winning window right now. And I think for them to stay in that window, you have to have Jordan Cairo next year. I think he's yeah. part of what makes that window open. I for think you. if you do move Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas becomes a winger for you. Robert Thomas becomes a guy who plays on the wing. He changes his role a little bit. And does that bring a whole lot of value for you? Because his value for me is being the center that is the distributor as a winger. Yeah. I just I don't know that he brings the same value. It, it sets up, an and interest- I think you stunt his growth. It as sets well. up an interesting offseason because you're just flipping Kachuk for Tarasenko essentially, and you're getting rid In of Kyra. Inc. Well, what I'm saying is you're getting rid of two restricted free agents that aren't going to be re-signed, and we don't know if Dunn's going to be re-signed anyway, but. You're bringing in a guy who's going to give you that top winger that you need, and I think you can fill those other wing positions through free agency, through some of the younger players, because it comes down to guys taking that next step, right? I do anything I can to get Matthew Kachuk, because Matthew Kachuk is the golden goose. Matthew Kachuk is the guy that you desperately need this offseason. It's just about what it takes to get him, and for that I think it's going to take some wheeling and dealing from Doug Armstrong, but I think this is the best option that's going to be out there this offseason because he matches everything that you need to take. Let me put it a different way. I would be far more likely to include a guy like Perunovic in this deal than I would be um, Jordan Kyra. If the if the Flames and say, hey, we need another top-line prospect other than Vince Dunn and we don't want it to be Robert Thomas for whatever reason, maybe they're just not as high on Robert Thomas as other teams are. If, if they would go the Perunovic route, I would go there. I think for me, Robert Thomas is one of the untouchables for the Blues this offseason. Or excuse me, uh, Jordan Cairo is one yeah. of the untouchables for the Blues this offseason. It would be Ryan O'Reilly forwards-wise. Ryan O'Reilly, um, I do not want to lose uh, Sunquist, Cairo. You probably put Perron on that list, and that might be the list of my untouchables for the Blues forwards yeah. this offseason. And it also, if you look at Calgary's situation, like Calgary defensively, I mean, they got four guys right now that are combining for, what is this, $20 million next season. So, like, they're pretty set with defense. It's not like you're going to get somebody that's going to take over a top four spot for them. Maybe. Unless if, they make a trade, because I know you were talking about potentially and, looking at they, one of them there. Or if they lose a Mark Giordano in the expansion draft, which is a, a very a, a real possibility, it's definitely the forward position for Calgary. And if you're trading away a 30-goal scorer, you're going to want something in return. And maybe Robert Thomas is what they're looking for because they need another centerman. The, the bottom line with this is, when you're looking at an offseason where Doug Armstrong's trying to improve his team, you're looking at teams that are going to need a different look to their identity, a team that might be switching because they haven't been able to get it done. Calgary's one of those teams, and there's two guys that are going to be on the, the chopping block for them this offseason. It's either Johnny Goudreau or Matthew Kachuk, one of those two. And frankly, if I'm the Blues, either of those guys would make sense, but I'm going to do everything in my power to get Matthew because he is kind of a – a franchise piece building forward. It's just a matter of what it takes to get them. The big thing for the Blues is that Gabriel Landeskog is going to be 29 years old next year. Matthew Kuchuk is going to be 24. This window that we've talked so much about, Alex, it remains open. It remains open beyond what yep. we have talked about in the past. If you go get a franchise caliber player like Matthew Kuchuk, yep. I'd be curious what JR thinks about this. Does he believe that it would be worth it to trade a guy like Jordan Cairo in a deal for Matthew Kachuk? We'll ask our friend Jeremy Rutherford, Blues Insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. Does it make sense for the Blues to potentially look at, look at acquiring Matthew Kachuk this offseason? We'll talk to JR about it next on 101 ESPN. 
It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. And right now we are very happy for an actual expert, an insider, Jeremy Rutherford, to join us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. JR, how you doing today, man? You want an expert? Let me try to get one on the phone for you here. <laughs> I was going to say, that felt like a personal shot at me, too, Jared. Like, what, I'm not an expert or something? What the well, hell, man? I, it was more a shot at myself. I come up with the hypotheticals. Alex gives me real insight on the hypotheticals. I then sit on the fence as to whether or not I would do this. And then we bring in somebody like JR. JR, that's like me opening up the show and be like, hey, we got a home run derby this weekend in softball. You know, BK's a part of it. Let's see if we can find a real expert for it, though. I mean, that's fair. I would understand you saying something well, like that. I, I would understand you saying something like that with me. JR, J- we suck at softball, plain and simple, buddy. And not good. I heard about your goose egg. Like, they were uh, breaking it down how many home runs each guy had, and they get to Ferrario, and, like, I turned up my radio. I'm waiting to hear like six or seven and they said zero i like gosh we gotta get you to a gym notice he didn't say he was waiting with bated breath as to how many bk hit just how many you hit because he knew ahead of time where that would land for me all right jr we're moving on from that it's not important fast let's move on um let's talk about what is important and that is matthew kachuk yes. because is he available this offseason we don't know but let's go ahead and play the hypothetical game and pretend that he is for a moment how how realistic do you believe it is from your understanding of things that he could be on the move this offseason, JR? Uh, this offseason, I don't know that that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, we all talk about these types of things, and, and we don't know that, uh, you know, what's going to happen. And, and you say that it's not likely, and then two weeks later it happens. So we want to preface everything by saying, <laughs> you know, we've been, you know, the, the Justin Falk trade, it just came out of the blue, right? So Doug Armstrong, that's the way he uh, operates. But if you're going to look at this situation logically and you're going to understand that, Matthew Kachuk is a player in Calgary that they like to have on their roster and understandably why, you know, number six overall pick a few years ago, he's got the skill, he's got the power, you know, he keeps people honest talking about the other team and he's a guy that you build with. And so why would Calgary want to give him up? Now, granted, as you guys have been analyzing, they're going to have to make some changes in Calgary, but why is he a guy that they would want to move? That would be my very first question. Now, Part two of that is if they get into a situation where they realize they're not going to be able to resign him down the road, yeah, maybe you look in to see what you can uh, get for him. But to me, there are two or three, four, the list goes on, other players on that roster who have been part of that core for years that haven't gotten the job done that they would uh, try to move way before they move Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, that's the part for me, JR. I mean, when you look at Calgary, there are two names that I would consider to be on the chopping block for, for the Flames going into this offseason to try and shake things up because they haven't been able to get it done. You look at Matthew Kachuk's name because he's probably going to get you the highest return, but you also look at a guy like Johnny Goudreau who has been in the rumor mill for a really long time. But since we're talking about Kachuk, realistically, we heard Jamie Rivers talk yesterday on the fast lane and mentioned a guy like Robert Thomas, Vince Dunn, Vladimir Tarasenko. Is that about the alley that you think it would take to get Matthew Kachuk, or do you think it would have to be more? Well, see, and this is the other part of it. So, you know, we're talking about, I'm telling you that they would trade Johnny Goudreau before they trade Matthew Kachuk, but what are they going to get for Johnny Goudreau? Right. Does that do enough to change their scenery up in Calgary? And it probably doesn't. Now, when you talk about trading Matthew Kachuk, yes, it does change their scenery. To me, if I'm building a team, Matthew Kachuk's on it, I don't, I wouldn't be moving him. But let's, hypothetically, as you guys are saying, say that you want to move Matthew Kachuk. What would it take 
in St. Louis, yeah, I think some of the names that you talked about are, are probably in that type of conversation. If I'm Calgary, I'm trying to change the landscape. I don't know that I'm going after a 30-year-old right winger who's had three shoulder surgeries and given up a 23-year-old. With yeah, but think about future. how good he was in the past, JR. I, yeah, I, I could convince 26. you on that. <laughs> JR, remember 26 yeah. when he was hitting or 40 goals this season, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that was a long time ago. And that's not to say that uh, Vladimir Tarasenko can't contribute to this team. I'm not saying that. It's just that if you're Calgary, um, that's not that's not my target in terms of the guy I'm going after. Uh, but you talk about some of these other names. Robert Thomas, he's a guy, ton of upside. I think people in St. Louis still feel that that's possible, but it just at some point uh, you need to see it. Boy, the irony there, how interesting that would be to <laughs> really close friends, Thomas and, and Kachuk being traded for each other. Uh, but then you bring in a name like uh, Jordan Cairo. Look, Calgary's kind of gone that route with, uh, you know, Goudreau and some of the other guys up there uh, try, trying to win with that skill. You look at Jordan Cairo. I like his future. I, I think that he can be a good player on this team, but he's got to have other guys around him. He's got to be that accent guy who gives you a different element that you don't have that, oh, yeah, we're playing the St. Louis Blues. You know, they hit you. They're a hard-checking team. They finished their check. Whoa, where'd that guy come from? He just flew by me. You know, that's the type of thing I see from Jordan Cairo. So if they're giving up a big piece in Matthew Kachuk, I could see why there would be interest in Jordan Cairo, but he's not going to go up there and change the complexion of Calgary. They would need other players around him. JR, since we're talking Matthew Kachuk, and, you know, last week we talked Gabriel Landeskog. Before that, it was Jack Eichel. Uh, is that the name? Is that kind of like the top echelon of players that Doug Armstrong's going big game hunting with this offseason? Yeah, I was going to say there's been a trend here. You guys don't start at the bottom. No, do you? No, no, start, no, 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 no. We go big or go home, Jared. Next up is yeah. going to be getting Joe Sackick out of retirement. <laughs> That's what it's been here lately here with all the Eichel talk and, and, and Landis guy. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, why wouldn't those names that you guys mentioned interest uh, Doug Armstrong? Uh, but the biggest thing is going to be, you know, fitting those types of guys under the cap. And even if he can make some maneuvers now, to get a guy like Matthew Kachuk under the cap, you know, whether he has to trade a, a Tarasenko or he has to not re-sign Jaden Schwartz, you can make it happen. Uh, but just know that, you know, Matthew Kachuk, his next paycheck, he only signed that three-year deal, and he did that on purpose. They, they did that because there was going to be TV money coming in in a couple of years after he signed that contract, and here it comes. Here comes the TV. So nobody foresaw the uh, pandemic, obviously. But a Matthew Kachuk, he continues the way he is. You know, he's going to be, uh, right now he's got a $7 million, million AAV, is going to be an $8, $9 million uh, type guy. So you're going to come to a crossroads with some other guys. Let's say you don't give up a, a Robert Thomas in that trade and, and he becomes the player that you think he's going to be. Colton Pareko, if he stays healthy, he's going to be doing extension. So I'm all for bringing Matthew Kachuk into the fold. Uh, but just know if you do that, some of these players that, that we just discussed, you know, they're just not going to have room for them all. Yeah, you know, 24-year-old uh, left winger, though, that can play on my top line with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. That, that's one that I'm willing to figure it out for. Jared, I am curious because we were talking about this a little bit in the last segment. And the place where I had a little bit of a holdup is – would you be willing to give up Jordan Cairo in this type of a deal? Because if you're giving up Vladdy and you're giving up Vince Dunn already, and then you add in Cairo to that mix, listen, I love Matthew Kachuk. I love the idea of him becoming a St. Louis Blue. But if if you're giving up Cairo in that spot, I don't know who my wingers are going to be beyond that top line at that point. And I do think that makes you a little bit light in the depth of your roster, especially on the forward side of things. Would you be willing to give up Jordan Cairo in this kind of a deal? 
Well, as I touched on, I think that uh, it's going to cost more than Cairo to get to make that deal happen anyway. So if you're hesitant to give up Cairo, just know that it's going to cost more than that, I would think, especially if you're talking about uh, this summer. Now to address the, the conversation of, you know, giving up Cairo, you know, look, he's a guy who gives you a different element that you don't have. And we've been saying that for a couple of years. And for a couple of years, you were saying, okay, well, let's see it. Well, we finally saw it from Jordan Cairo. So if he can take another step next year, that's pretty similar to the one he took this year. I think you're going to have a, have a dynamic player. You know, if you lose a Jordan Cairo, you don't have anybody else in the system who can really step in and, and give you what a Jordan Cairo gives you, you know, from the breakaway, the rush standpoint. And so to me, it would be tough to, to lose a Jordan Cairo. You know, if you got Matthew Kachuk coming the other way, I think it's something that you really consider. I just think that the skill and, and what I said earlier about Matthew Kachuk is something that this Blues roster would tremendously benefit from. So, you know, if you're asking me, would you put Jordan Cairo in a Matthew Kachuk trade? You know, I I, I probably would uh, because I do think that that uh, Kachuk is the more well-rounded player. Uh, but in saying that, I hope you have a backup plan in terms of bringing in somebody who can give you that electricity that Kairos brought. Jr. we found out last night because Montreal swept the Winnipeg Jets that the Blues will be picking 16th overall in the draft. And, you know, we've talked a lot in the past about how the Blues need to kind of replenish that system that's gone dry in the minors with prospects. But on the flip side of that, if you're going big game hunting, how useful is that 16th overall pick going to be for Doug Armstrong this offseason? Yeah, I think that's a that's a big key. Like if you're Doug Armstrong and you're talking to teams currently about bringing in and, and gosh, I guess if he has your guys' wish list, he's going to have to give up more than that first round pick too. But uh, yeah, you got to feel pretty good about what teams are going to think about that 16th overall pick. And the Blues have to be careful. You know, you can't because the window's open now. You just swing that thing around and say, hey, we'll give you the. Uh, 16th pick and, and we'll give you a so-and-so uh, for your guy, you know, cause that's the situation the blues are in. You know, they, they Doug Armstrong has said that the window's open now. They obviously need to do some retooling, whatever you want to call it to the roster this year. But at the same time, you got to be right. You got to hit on that move. And Doug Armstrong's been good on, on hitting on those things. But if you don't, there's another first round pick that goes by the wayside. And, and we know uh, that when you look at these rankings of the prospect pools, the blues, 26, 27, 28. When you start talking about who's in the system, you, you start off with a name like Nikita Alexandrov. Well, he's compared to Tyler Bozak, and, and that's not a slight on Tyler Bozak, but you're looking at potentially a, a third-line center-type guy. So you don't have the uh, the TJ Oshies, the David Perrons coming in. You don't have the Robert Thomases, the Jordan Kyrus coming in. That's just not there. So be careful giving up that first-round pick but the, because that's definitely a guy who could help you soon. Final question that I've got for you, JR. Um, just speaking a little more big picture with Matthew Kachuk, whether it be this offseason or in the future, how cool would that be to see him in a Blues uniform? I think it'd be really cool. And listen, you can talk about uh, guys wanting to play for their hometown team. Listen, I've been around the Kachuks a ton, been to their house a few times. These guys live, breathe St. Louis. They love it. You know, look at Walt and uh, Chantel. They they still live here, have made their home here. And just looking and talking to Matthew over the years, prior to being selected by Calgary, he has said he would love to play for St. Louis. So this isn't a situation where now he's in a Calgary uniform and he's telling people that he wants out and he wants to play in St. Louis. It's nothing like that. You can just see him beaming, you know, pre-Calgary that he would love to play in his hometown one day. And I do think if that opportunity comes along, unrestricted free agency, potential of a trade, 
uh, more likely next summer than this summer, I think. I, I think he would relish it. He would jump on it in a heartbeat, and he would love to play for the St. Louis Blues. Matthew Kachuk, 2022 St. Louis Blues starting left winger. Uh, JR, we appreciate the time, man. <laughs> Always enjoy talking with you, and people can find your work over on The Athletic. They should subscribe over there and, of course, give you a follow on Twitter as well, at JP Rutherford. Thanks so much for the time, bud. Thanks, boys. Working at home run derby. No, we're not invited back ever again, Jr. Speaking of that, we got to talk about it. There was some more criticism of uh, six five seven eight zero zero comfort service text line. Questions and answers is next. Crap. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text now to six five seven eight zero. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on one hundred one ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for questions and answers coming up in about five minutes or so. We will get to some of your mic drops. If you could only make one deal, what would you choose? A deal right now for a mid-level starter? Think Kyle Gibson, somebody like that. Or option two, you make a deal potentially at the deadline, but you make nothing right now and you're not positive there's no guarantees that you're able to get that big time deal done at the deadline so option one you get a mid-level starter right now option two you wait until the deadline for the possibility of going big game hunting and don't ride the fence like bk <laughs> we'll hear from you guys some rhino shield mic drops coming up here in about 10 minutes or so but right now let's get to some questions and answers from the 314 hey guys a couple of my friends went to the home run derby Oof. I heard that you barely made contact. I got to say, I'm a little bit disappointed no. in your show. BK made contact. <laughs> Ferrario missed the first nine balls because he was trying to do too much. And then once he realized that he's not a home run hitter, he calmed down a little bit. Did you hear what the fast lane said about us yesterday? Uh, but they probably called us asshats again. I already feel bad about this, BK. So like, they spent probably half of their show talking about this. this and I, credit where it is due. Anthony Stalter and Brad Thompson were as good a teammates as you they could were. possibly ask God for. God bless those two and guys. And those guys carried the team in a way that, like, they they had to feel the next day like they were 70 years old with the way their back hurt from carrying us. Yeah. But there, there were moments where... Uh, they just couldn't resist, and it sounded like this. Griff's <laughs> blood alcohol content was higher than Ferrario and BK's batting average combined. Did you have a beer? That's true. Did you have a beer? I licked a bottle cap. Yeah, it's higher. These <laughs> <laughs> <guys> are terrible. <laughs> not wrong, by the way. Not wrong. No, not wrong at all. You know what I feel horrible about, too? His blood alcohol content was higher than our home run total by licking a beer cap. <sighs> He didn't have. He wouldn't even had to lick the beer cap. He could have looked at a beer, and it would have been higher than what we did on the field. You know what I felt horrible about too when I was driving home, and I heard Riv say that I was his dark horse. Oh, really? Like I was the guy. Like I think BT and Stalter said, like Moon was a dark horse, where like people may not be giving him enough credit for what he's going to do, and Riv's picked me, which makes me feel even worse about my performance. It should, frankly. Like because picked... nobody, nobody should have picked no. me. Well, I mean, told I him ahead set of time. expectations very low, yeah. and I think I exactly met my expectations. I wouldn't say I exceeded them. I think I met exactly where my expectations were properly. I set. mean, I did only say that I was going to hit one, and well, you did not I, meet those I expectations. Scraped a wall, I guess, but that's nothing considering it. But no, I, I was hoping that this was going to go away after Monday, and apparently it doesn't. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers uh, from the 636. Guys, do you think that the Cardinals will sign a bullpen arm before the All-Star break? 
I don't. I, I mean, unless it's a guy who's like going to cost you nothing, like cash considerations. I don't think you need to because I think you're you're acquiring a starting pitcher, which is going to push somebody into the bullpen. And on top of it, you're going to get some of these the uh, Memphis guys that will get called up in the expanded roster. Playoff wise, you already know who your bullpen pitchers are. I don't think you can acquire somebody that makes that any different. So no, I say no bullpen. I say you're going to go get a starting pitcher, and then the bullpen will get stronger because of that. I think before all of these injuries, there was a real chance that the Cardinals at the deadline acquired a bat and a bullpen arm. I think now the chances of that happening are slim to none in the bullpen and much, much, much lower on the position player side of things. So I, I do not expect them to add, unless it's just some random guy that you've never heard of that costs nothing. Maybe they add that guy to their bullpen, but I don't think they're going to add anything of significance. Yeah. From the 314, before the NHL playoffs, I asked you on a scale of 1 to 10 how confident you were that the Blues would make it out of the West. I think Alex said like a 7. Mm -hmm. How confident are you right now on 1 to 10 that the Cardinals will make the postseason? Scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that the Cardinals will make it out of the NL Central? I'd put it at about a 6. Um... Because the track record of John Mozeliak and company making a big deal to help their team is very slim midseason. But I do think there's desperation right now. They know that they have a team that can compete. They're going to have to make a move. Plus, I, I'm just not sold on the Cubs and the Brewers. Like, I, I Cubs-wise, their starting pitching is horrendous, and the bullpen is, is going to get bad at some point, and their offense has been carrying them. It goes only so far. Milwaukee's the kind of flip of that. Their offense doesn't score a lot of it's runs, but terrible. their pitching is phenomenal. How long does that last? Like everyone goes through what the Cardinals are going through right now. Nobody has a healthy season, 162 games. I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the Cardinals and like their track record. So I'd put it at about a six right now. I would go a seven. I feel pretty confident in this team still. I think the Cardinals are going to be fine if they can make it through these next three or four weeks. The problem is making it through these next three or four weeks. From the 636, guys, do you think that the Cardinals should just go ahead and sign whoever was pitching to you the other night? Hey, if they get Brooksy who was throwing to us, my man's going to go no hitters because he was throwing no hitters to us. I, I got some hits. I got some hits, too. There, enough, their contact enough, was enough made. already. I looked like John Gant. There was a lot of traffic around the bases. There was <laughs> just nobody scoring. Brooksy was Harry Houdini <laughs> out there. He was phenomenal, by the way. Like, that is not an easy thing to do to just continue to to heave those softballs over and over, especially watching the trash that we were doing on the field. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that they could probably call him up and get him for pretty cheap. I saw a story the other day that Jeff Bezos is uh, flying to outer space, outer space rather next month. After that performance, I feel like both of us should go ahead and join him. You think we could hit some softballs out there? There's no gravity, so I think it's much more likely that I think we hit if you one out of the I think if you miss, it still stays up in the air, <laughs> yeah, right? That's right. I'd you call just that a get as many hacks as you can have. <laughs> I'd call that a win. Coming up next, let's hear for you guys. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. If you can only make one deal, one deal, you've got two options. Option one, you make the deal right now for a mid-level starter. Option two, you don't make a deal right now. You press your luck. You see what the next month and a half looks like for the Cardinals, and then maybe... You make a big-time deal at the deadline. No guarantees, but you have the potential to do so. Which would you go with? We'll hear from you. The Cardinals are in a desperate situation for starting pitching. Does it make sense to blow out on a, a trade to stop the bleeding in June when you could essentially wait four weeks 
and see what kind of options pan out in a division where nobody is going to run away with the crown here. They're not going to run away with it in the first half of the season. They're not going to in July. They're not going to in August. We've known all this time it's going to come down to the last two weeks of the season for this division. Instead of panicking, right, they're taking their time and exploring each avenue. And a little bit of patience is required here because of all the things we've already talked about. That was Katie Wu on with us yesterday of The Athletic. I think she makes some excellent points. There is some patience that needs to be required for the Cardinals right now. However, we're fans and we don't do the whole patience game very well. And so we've got a question for our listeners. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. You can always get involved in the show via the uh, the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Choose your own adventure. You've got two paths. On path number one, you make a deal for a starter right now. You get a mid-level guy. Think Kyle Gibson. He's going to consistently give you six innings. He gives you around three earned runs. It's not great, but it gets you by. It makes you feel better about where the rotation is. He's a significant upgrade over guys like Johan Oviedo, Daniel Ponce de Leon, and Woodford. So that's option one. Option two, you wait. You see what your rotation looks like right now. You try to figure this out, and you just tread water over the next six weeks or so. And as you get closer to the trade deadline, you potentially acquire a big-time fish. No guarantees, but you at least give yourself the opportunity to do so. Because if you acquired somebody with option one, you are eliminating the possibility of making another move at the deadline because of the cost. It's just cost prohibitive to do that. So which option would you choose? Option number one or option number two? Let's hear from you guys via the Rhino Shield mic drop feature, and we will start with Rick. BK, don't take this wrong, but are you always a Debbie Downer or you're always so in your head that you got to think of every possible situation or can't you just go for it? Take your views and fight for them. Loving your show. Have a great day, guys. Well, damn. God bless you, Rick. I don't think he answered the question. No, he didn't. He didn't answer the question, actually. That's fantastic. But he did get his point across, which is good. I think he's really saying that I'm a fence sitter. Like, he, he didn't actually say those words, but I think he's what he's saying there is, is he wrong? BK, why are you such a fence sitter? Can't you just come out and, like, you know, answer the question? Is he wrong? No, he's not. I think I did answer the question. I will say this, just to reaffirm where I'm at on this. And Alex, and you can do the same. I would make a move now. I would go get a guy like Kyle Gibson, Jose Barrios, whoever that player is that you think is at the top end of that mid-tier starter market. And the reason that I would do so is because I think when you get to the playoffs, even if you are not able to then go acquire a guy like Max Scherzer, who I think is really the only difference-making starter that could become available, I feel pretty good about Jack Flaherty, Gibson, Wayno, and then either Carlos KK or Michaelis as my four-man rotation for a postseason series, especially if at that point my bullpen and my starting lineup hitting-wise is all healthy. So I would go acquire that guy now to be able to help me get through the next six to seven weeks while Flaherty is on the mend. What would you do, Alex? I'm waiting until the trade deadline. I, I just think Texas, if Kyle Gibson is our hypothetical goal right here, Texas is going to ask for the farm for him because they know you need starting pitching. And guess what? They have one of the best available starting pitchers. They're going to command a Nolan Gorman or another top prospect. And I think for what the Cardinals need right now, I don't know if that's the best asking price. I would rather wait till the trade deadline, wait until more teams become clear who they are going to be sellers, buyers, wherever you're going to go with it. 
make the move for a Max Scherzer, and if he isn't available or you can't pull the trigger on that, then you can go back to finding that secondary pitcher on the market. I just think with what you have now, yes, it doesn't look good, but it's not on the pitching itself. I think you need the offense to step up. That's totally fair. Let's go back out to the Rhino Shield mic drops. Let's continue with Philip. So if I were the Cardinals, I would wait until the deadline. I would try, I would try and get Max Scherzer and another outfielder, maybe a cheaper outfielder, because I can't trust Bader. I know he's a fan favorite. I just he gets injured a lot. I know a lot of freak injuries, but he's he's not consistent. But if it was me, I would try and go for Kyle Gibson and Mitch Haniger. Mitch Haniger is interesting. Can I give you a different name that we haven't really talked about a whole lot that I think would be even better for the Cardinals? Well, the theme of today is big game fishing, so let's see what else we can get. How about Cattell Marte? This is not something that I believe the Cardinals will do. I want to say that out on the front end because it would be unbelievably expensive. But Cattell Marte is an absolute stud. And it's possible that the Diamondbacks decide to start selling off their pieces. And Cattell Marte is probably the best piece that they have available. There's already reports that they're they're listening on calls on David Peralta. He's another guy that could fit into this category. But T-Bone's I think guy. He, he's a good player. He can help you. I don't think he's such an upgrade, though, that the Cardinals would need to go out there and acquire him given the cost of what it's going to take. Cattell Marte is somebody that can help you not just for the here and now, but for the next three seasons afterwards. God. He's 27 years old. He's under contract for this year at $6 million. Next year, $8 million. The year after, there's a club option at 10. And the year after that, another club option at $12 million. Think of the offense that you could have with Carlson, Edmund, Marte, Arenado, Goldschmidt, and Tyler O'Neill. Over the last four years, he's a 300 hitter. That's a 126 OPS plus, so he's 25% above league average. He would immediately come in and be one of your probably three best hitters on the team. At worst. There's no way Arizona pulls a deal off training him, right? I don't know. I don't know. If he's available and the Cardinals could do, instead of getting Max Scherzer, this would definitely take them out of that market because this would be the version of that on the hitting side of things. If you went out there and got him now to upgrade the offense while your rotation is on the mend, and then as you get closer to the deadline, you get a mid-level starter to be able to upgrade your rotation as well, you're immediately a championship contender. Oh my God, yes. He is the guy that comes in and upgrades your lineup in a way that completely changes the way that all of us are looking at the roster. Is it realistic? Probably not. But if you're going a big-time position player, he is the one that I would want to acquire. Um, I, I don't think, again, that it's very realistic, but he's the guy that I would want to go after. He's a second baseman, shortstop, center fielder. He can play all over the field. He's a switch hitter. He's everything you could possibly ask for in a player, and he's young, and he's cost I do think it helps the team. Like As much as we're talking about the necessity of pitching, and I do believe you need starting pitching right now to help this team, I mean, look at the four games against Cincinnati Reds. You were in it. Your offense just didn't come through. And I know it's a cold spell. I know you were in the midst of a 17-game stretch before a day off. But you need offense. So if my options are Max Scherzer and that's it, or get a stud like that and still find a way to get a mid-level starter to help with innings, then I'm pulling that trigger because that makes me much better than what just Max Scherzer does to my team. I will say this. He's not great defensively. Like He's not a guy that's going to come in. Your defense is going to take a significant step back going from Harrison Bader to Cattell Marte, and I would imagine you would have to include Bader, probably Nolan Gorman, maybe Johan Oviedo, and maybe more in a deal like this. It's going to take significant pieces to go out there and get a guy that is under club control the way that he is. But if he's available, 
he would be somebody that I would absolutely be interested in because of the way that he upgrades your offense. So that would be one other potential route, but that's not a part of this scenario. We told you you've got two options. Option one, you acquire a guy now. Option two, you wait to go get one. Let's go back out to the Rhino Shield mic drop. Just do whatever you can to get Max Scherzer. We got to do it, you know. We got to win these games. We got to get to the playoffs, and we need another World Series banner on the stadium. Let's go, Cards. Does Max Scherzer get you another World Series banner? It's pretty darn close if you're healthy. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I there's no guarantees in this, and we know yeah. how the postseason is. It can be completely random. I thought the Dodgers for years were the clear best team in the National League. Mm, couldn't and get it done. They didn't find a way to do it until yeah. last year. The only thing, and look, I, I am all for going for Max Scherzer, but now you've presented another option, three to me, with this Cattell Marte and still get yourself a mid-level and again, that might be really hypothetical, but yeah. that would be the desirable way to go. If you go get Marte, you're talking about like a J Hap. Yeah, your your sights are now getting set much lower when it comes to your. I rotation. just I still think going for Max Scherzer at the trade deadline is my number one goal because I do agree it gets you closer to a World Series championship. You are going to have to give up a lot. I think it starts with Nolan Gorman for Max Scherzer, yeah. but beyond that, waiting for the trade deadline is also there are other options that are going to come out there. Minnesota's on the cusp of having to be sellers. I know it sounds like a long shot to get Jose Barrios, but he might be available. That be that might be a person you could go after, and he makes you significantly better. He's the type of guy the Cardinals are missing right now. But even there, there's more guys there. I mean, you could look at a Michael Pineda, who, who might not be the desirable golden goose, but he still makes you a better team. Waiting until the trade deadline gives more options for players who are going to be available rather than right now where it looks like it's Kyle Gibson or Stan Pat, because there's no other names that are good enough for you. So I think that the the other thing is a guy like Jordan Lyles, who's not very good. Um, <laughs> I, I want to say that on the front. I'd rather Stan Pat. I, I think I would as well. But if the Cardinals are just looking for innings, like they're literally just looking to find a way to get through six innings consistently. Those are the types of guys that have to come into the conversation. And he could get you through five or six. He's, again, not very good. He has a 5.7 ERA this year. But that that's the type of thing that has to start entering the conversation here pretty soon if you want to wait. I don't know that the Cardinals is currently constructed as a situation that you're going to want to deal with over the next few weeks. It, it really does kind of depend on the health of KK. All right, let's do one more. This one uh, comes from Vic. Vic. We've got Vic here talking about the Cardinals' options over the next few weeks at the deadline. You wait till July to get something. If Max isn't there, Gibson will still be there in July. If the Cardinals are totally dead, then there's no reason to get pitching in July. But I think, like the lady said, the, the newspaper writer, uh, there's nobody going to run away with this division. You wait till July. You try to get Max or someone like Max. If not, Gibson will still be there in July to get him. That's where I come down on this too. Like, can I give you the downside to it? Yeah, please. So the the one the devil's advocate argument, and I do think I fall on this side of things, Alex. It's possible you do fall out of the race a little bit over the next few weeks. If your rotation does not have any reinforcements, you could easily lose your next five games. You're going up against the Indians who have great pitching and your offense has been scuffing a little bit. And then you've got three head-to-head against the Cubs. If you lose your next five, Cubs head-to-head against them, you're falling back five, six games potentially in the division. Then you've got four more coming up against Atlanta. You could lose three out of four there. You could easily lose two out of three against Miami. Suddenly, you're the next 12 games winning two or three games. That that does potentially go a long way in hurting you in this race. 
And if you fall behind too much, it's going to be really hard for John Mosaylock to look at his team and say, yeah, it's worth it for us to be able to go out there and acquire a guy like Max Scherzer. And now you've just kind of punted on the season in what could potentially be the final year with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. And that's what's hard for me. I think if you're in a situation where KK is not healthy for a couple of weeks, you have to go out there and acquire something now, even if it is not of significance, to be able to tread water. I just think if you go out there and you get something that's not of significance, it's not making a difference for you. You can go get a pitcher who's going to be a four or five in your rotation, but it doesn't matter if your offense stinks, right? Like you need to go out there and make a move that's going to make you significantly better if you're going to make a move right now. And going out there, Kyle Gibson, I'm with you. I think he makes you a better team. If you go out there and go get a Jordan Lyles, it's not going to do anything. You're going to probably lose those games against the Cubs because Jordan Lyles ain't going very deep into a game for you. Last one via the Rhino Shield mic drop. Let's hear from Chris. BK, can you bring us back down to earth? Is that because of the Cattell Marte thing? I think that's be- he was reacting to me talking about going up to space with Jeff Bezos. Clearly, that that's what he was referencing. There. Hey, again, if it makes my softball game better, I'm in. So coming back down to earth. No. Jordan Lyles. He's probably the answer for all okay. that quells well, the Cardinals. Stand pat until the trade deadline, folks, because Jordan Lyles is not the answer. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Better to forget it coming up next. Vegas sets him up, and we're here to make the call. It's BK and Ferrarios. Bet it or forget it on 101 ESPN. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line for bet it or forget it. Let's start with this one, Alex from the three one four. Bet it or forget it. Tyler O'Neill hits at least thirty five home runs this year. He is currently on Ooh. pace with thirty thirteen so He's far got this 30 season. Thirty already. He has thirteen <laughs> so far this season. He is on pace for thirty four. Bet it or forget it. He hits at least thirty five this year. He has 13 home runs this I, I'm year gonna bet it. 41 games. I, I feel Jeez. like Katie Wu said this yesterday, and I agree. I feel like every time this man steps to the plate, he's going to hit a home run. I, I do believe he will hit that threshold. I really think he's going to be an all-star this year. Like, I really feel like Tyler O'Neill is going to get the nod this season. That's and a now really field. interesting question. So earlier today, we talked about this on the Danny Mac show, Alex. ESPN put together their projections of the National League uh, starters. The outfield is stacked. So he's not going to start. They've got Acuna, Betts, and Castellanos right now as mm-hmm. the starting outfield for the National League. Other guys, Jesse Winker, who's had a massive year. Juan Soto and then Chris Taylor and the aforementioned Cattell Marte, who's batting 380 on the oh, season. Get yourself another all-star. He might get in over Chris Taylor. I think I would have Tyler O'Neill If he continues doing this over yeah. the next month, I think you could make a strong case for him over Chris Taylor on that list. I agree. Uh, Look, and I know that wasn't the bet it or forget it, but I'm betting it because I do believe he will get to that threshold this season. What was it? 35 home runs. Mm -hmm. I think he will hit that this year because Tyler O'Neill has had an incredible year. And if he, it all comes down to him staying healthy, but I do believe the injuries are behind him as I knock on as much wood as possible right now. I'm knocking on all of it. I will not not DKO this. You know that I will be. I think think 35 is is definitely doable for Tyler. When was the last? I'm sure this has happened more recently than I'm probably thinking of. Who was the last 35 home run player for the Cardinals? Was it Pools? No. Beltron? 35 Did Beltron hit 35? It was Matt Carpenter in 2018. 
<laughs> Matt Carpenter in hey, 2018. I have 36. disbanded the the Cook Carp movement. So God bless you, Matt Carpenter. Let's see it again. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Let's see it again, buddy. We forget that so quickly. But yeah, so Matt Carpenter was the most recent one to do it. I think you're going to get it out of him. He's the only guy to do it since 2015. Wow. That's crazy. Matt Carpenter. God bless you, Matt Carpenter. <laughs> gotta love him, you know? You gotta, you gotta love that guy. The only Cardinals to hit 35-plus homers in the last decade are Albert Pujols in 2011 and Matt Carpenter in 2018. Tyler O'Neill, I think, adds his name to that list. It's a hell of a list to be Someone on. just said Alex stopped drinking. That has nothing to do with the Tyler O'Neill thing. It's just a Tuesday afternoon. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line for Better to Forget It. Speaking of the All-Star Game, Alex, Better to Forget It, Tommy Edmond will make multiple All-Star Games in his Cardinals career. Multiple All-Star appearances for Tommy Edmond. Better to Forget It. What's he labeled as? I'm assuming he'd be labeled as a second baseman, right? I think so. This year it's a little jumbled, but I think moving forward that'll be the case. And I don't know I don't know if he ever gets voted in, but I think he will be in multiple All-Star games because he's one of those players that you could plug and play when injuries pop up. I think his numbers will put him into the All-Star game. I would say in his career he'll get to at least two or three of them in All-Star games. So yeah, I bet that one. How many has Colton Wong been to so far? Is, is he at one, right? I think it's just the one, but I could be wrong there. Uh, he gets in this year. This he has might never be, been. Really? He's never been to an All-Star game. This one will be his first year. Uh, he's back on the IL. Did you see that? He's hurt again. He, well, everyone's hurt in Milwaukee. A, that's true. Something must be in the water there. He's had a rough year in terms of his health, but he's been great. Kenton Hura can't even figure out how to swing a bat a anymore. They sent him down yesterday. Maybe he and I need to go to the softball field together. I'm going to bet it. It is going to be difficult for him, given Ozzie Albies being a second baseman in the National League. Because Albies has the name recognition. He's going to be on a pretty good team over the next mm. five to ten years. So that'll make things difficult for Tommy Edmond. But I do believe he will make at least two All-Star games, given what we've seen from him this year. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. This is not nice. Better to forget it, Alex and BK will never again be invited to a fast lane versus Rizzuto show competition. Not uh, just be invited to participate, but be never. invited to attend. No, that's I forget that because we are awesome teammates in terms of hype men. We were hyping up BT and Stoltz that entire time. Heck, we even hyped up the Riz show there a little bit. I will forget that, but I would bet it if they would have said we'll never be asked to participate in these ever again. Unless it's like... Unless it's a celebrity softball game to where, like, you could plug us in the right yeah, like the us. nine spot. Yeah, no, they're yeah. not inviting us to that. Yeah. God. I'm, I'm no good at these, we, man. We might, um, be, we might be fired after our performance. I participated in the Isaac Bruce Foundation flag football tournament and busted my lip open and ended up in the emergency room. But Stalt said yesterday you played well. You, you had a big-time catch before that injury. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm fine, but then I ended up in the hospital. <laughs> Did your team lose when you went to the hospital? They won that game and then lost the next oh, one. Wow. But I wasn't there. Great teammate. So then. maybe maybe we're seeing I what mean, the correlation I would have, is. I would have played through the pain. I tried to. They told me that I had to leave. Because you can't get people, can't be blood on people. Yeah, nobody, it, won, it nobody, was pretty bad. It was bleeding a lot. The you two uh, asshats pretty, could be cooler boys. Uh, sir or ma'am, you misspelled assets and, and it's supposed to be assets. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go. I'm going to bet this. I don't think we're ever going to be invited to another Riz Show versus Fastlane competition. Well, uh, the Riz Show might invite us a lot because that means they're going to win nine times out of ten. It's been good for them. Yeah. All right, better to forget it. 
Max Scherzer will enter the postseason wearing an NL Central team jersey, but it will not be the Cardinals. Scherzer will enter the postseason wearing a jersey of another NL Central team. Forget it. If you're the Cubs, like, you're going to really make a move and give up assets that you have your minor league system for a guy that's going to be there for a playoff run for you, and then you're losing everybody? I don't think the Cubs have the assets. I don't think they do. I don't think Milwaukee has the assets. They might. I don't think they do. I thought they gave up a lot of those assets when they got Christian Yelich. They did, but that's been a few years now. I don't. I, I'd have to look. I don't know what their prospect system looked like, and I don't see the Cincinnati Reds pulling that trigger. If they're no. going to do anything, it's going to be bullpen help for them. Yeah, the Reds won't do it. If there's any other team that would get in on something like that, it would be the Cubs and, or the Brewers. And remember, Scherzer has the to. The Brewers are aggressive, but if they do, I, I think they're going to get it. But Scherzer has to agree player. to the team he wants to go to. And if you're sure. Max Scherzer, do you want to go to Milwaukee, who may or may not be a playoff team? Do you want to go to the Cardinals, who may or may not be a playoff team? Or do you want to go to a team that is going to make the playoffs? You know who should do something like that is the giants oh my god yeah the giants are the team nobody's talking about when it comes to the trade deadline that why wouldn't they go for it this year the giants i know they're are, like it's a surprise the Man, giants are, found money they're making the nl west have three playoff teams this yeah. year I, I mean san francisco maybe san francisco is winning this way though because of the like the underdog mentality that the Vegas Golden Knights had when they went to the cup run like nobody was giving San Francisco any chance it's a bunch of younger players and they are just going all out right now I don't know if I'd mess with that the funny thing is most of what they have going for them right now is their older players have finally started to reach back and hit their peak performance again Evan Longoria has been great Brandon Crawford looks like the guy that was one of the better shortstops in the game in 2013 to 2016-ish. Man, I Buster remember, Posey's has been tremendous this year. I remember wanting Brandon Crawford on the Cardinals when he was at his peak level because they were des- it was Johnny Peralta like a Ledmus Diaz yeah. time. And I remember watching Brandon Crawford saying that this is the guy that the Cardinals desperately need. He's been great this year. And yeah. then Brandon Belt has been has had a career resurgence as well. And their yeah. pitching's been really good. So it's it's the older guys that have really kind of picked things up for him. It's been crazy. Yeah. Uh, with Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, we found out last night where the Blues will be picking in this year's NHL draft. Is that pick to replenish the farm system, or is it to go big game hunting like we've been talking so much about? We'll talk about it next on 101. Caulfield gets it loose up front. That's what it sounded like last night as the Montreal Canadiens decided, you know, well, let's go ahead and end this bad boy right here. We're going to advance to the next round. It's an impressive feat by them. And in doing so, it officially locked the Blues in to the 16th overall pick in this year's NHL draft. Alex, I wanted to ask you as our Blues insider, the pre-post and intermission host for the Blues radio network, what does this mean for the Blues that they're getting the 16th pick? Is this something where they could potentially get a big-time player for them that will add and replenish the system? Or is this a trade ship for Doug Armstrong, both for the here and for the future? I think that's going to be the interesting element right now. And personally, I would imagine that that's going to be a trade piece because you got to make – if you're going for a big fish out there and it's not free agent – you're going to have to give up something that teams want. And 16th overall pick is a pretty good pick. I went back and looked at NHL history of overall 16th picks in the past. Going back to 2000, 
10 of the 17, I don't consider the last two years because these guys have played like 10 games. Sure. But 10 of the last 17 from 2017 to 2000, they've all been guys who have played 500 or more games. I mean, you got guys like Matthew Barzell, who's with the New York Islanders, Tom Wilson, Vladimir Tarasenko, um, Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes. You could get a really good player at 16th overall. And the Blues desperately need depth. And they need offense depth because if you look at their system, they don't have much coming up. I mean, we saw it this year. <laughs> you, you basically saw what the Blues prospects look like on that side of yeah, things. Yeah, I, I and mean, then Jake Neighbors, you could add Jake into that Jake Neighbors, group. who's a pretty highly touted, I wouldn't say highly touted, he's a guy who would fit in like a third line. They got a guy named Alex Toropchenko and Nikita Alexandrov, but these aren't overwhelming players that change the team. Clem Costin, frankly, is the only one, and we don't really know what Clem Costin's going to yeah, be. He might end up being a second or third line w- winger, too. You need offense. Now, does that mean you're going to get a guy who turns into Connor McDavid 16th overall? No, I don't think so. But if your scouting department is good, you can find a gem at 16th overall. So as much as you need to replenish that system, you also need to keep this window open. And that's why I think if I'm Doug Armstrong and I have that 16th overall pick and a team really wants that pick to help fix their their system, I'm making a trade of that to try and bring a player in that's going to help me now because the player that you drafted 16th overall probably not going to help you for the next three to four years we've talked about this i think we did it with uh chris kerber last week or two weeks ago this is a team that should be all in for the next two years and that could mean some down years after that and if you're a blues fan maybe i'm wrong on this i think we're all kind of okay with that i think we've come to terms with the fact that yeah at the back end of these deals it might hurt a little bit That's okay if you make it worth it in the meantime. I would deal with what the Chicago Blackhawks have been going through over the last few years of this down downward trend if you get a couple of cups in the meantime. If the Blues are able to go on one, maybe two more big runs in the postseason, and whether that ends up with a cup or not, I think that makes it worth it. You came home with one. That was the big thing. And now if you're able to give yourself the best chance to do it again over the next couple of years, that's what I would be going for. So for me, I'm with you, Alex. This is probably a trade chip. How valuable is that, though? If you're looking at what how other teams would view the 16th overall pick, I mean, what, what is the value of something like well, that? It depends on what the what how deep the system is or the, not the system. It depends on how deep the draft is. Like, are there players that can be two or three year talent? fast four teams like you look at the teams that you'd be trading with like let's take since we talked earlier today Matthew Kachuk yep. for example um if I'm not mistaken I think Calgary selects 12th overall in this upcoming draft I gotta double check it but basically they're going to be a team that's going to be drafting right around where you sit so is that valuable to a Calgary Flames team that is already picking 12th and now they yeah, can pick 12th this year now they could pick 16th Maybe, because if you remember when the Blues selected Vladimir Tarasenko, the draft right after, or the pick right after, or before, was Jaden Schwartz. 14th was Schwartz, and 16th was Tarasenko. So if this is a a deep draft, then a team like Calgary may look at it and say, man, we could probably use a 16th overall pick. You also might be able to trade up with those. That's true. Maybe if you're Calgary, you say, you know what, it's more valuable for us to move up from 12 and whatever, 16, 
and get the sixth overall pick from Detroit, and maybe Detroit's saying we'll take a couple extra cracks at this thing. You know, something something like that. And, you know, you look or at Columbus. some other teams that you could get into. Columbus, the one you just brought up. I mean, uh, Brian Lawton had brought up Seth Jones's name. Now, I don't think that helps your offense, but if you went down that path, you look at a team that's selecting 22nd overall. They got that on top of their early pick. Imagine them taking a 16th overall pick and moving up in the draft. So I do think it's valuable. Now, if you're talking about trying to get Jack Eichel from Buffalo, you're going to have to give a lot more than a 16th overall pick to get a player of that echelon. And I think what the Blues are wanting, a top left winger to play with O'Reilly and Perron, you're going to have to add a significant piece with that 16th overall pick. But I do think that's desirable for a lot of teams because if you're picking in the top 15 or the top half of the league, you're going to get a pretty decent player if your scouting department is good enough. I think this should be what gets them their second line left winger. I don't think the Blues need just a top line left winger. Like, let's say let's say they make that deal we were talking about earlier today with Matthew Kachuk. So you end up trading Vladimir Tarasenko. Let's go with the Robert Thomas side of things here. And you're trading Vince Dunn. Okay, so now you've got... Kachuk, O'Reilly, Perron is your top line. You still don't really have an answer on that second line left wing. You have Shin and Kairou, which I feel great about. I think maybe you try Costin there, but I would feel a lot more confident if you could go trade this number 16 overall pick for, I don't know who the name is. I don't know who the guy is, but hopefully a cost-controlled, lower-level player that is... I would hope on an entry-level type of a deal, or maybe it's a mid-level veteran Mm -hmm. that, like a Brandon Saad before this year, right? Somebody like that that can come in and score 15 goals for you on the left wing on your second line that is um, responsible defensively, just gives you a little bit more, similar to Jaden Schwartz, honestly, on that second line, but for a cheaper cost. That's the type of guy that I think they should be looking to acquire with a pick like this. You know, it's interesting also that this could happen, and this is just this is a crazy thought right here, but... The expansion draft comes into play with this because if a team has players that they don't want to lose that they can't protect, which I don't know how many teams are in that situation, but there's always somebody that doesn't want to lose a player at the expansion draft, but they also don't want to have to pay a team a draft pick to not take that player. Well, maybe that team decides, hey, we need to trade this guy who's a restricted free agent to the Blues, get ourselves another first round pick. Give that first-round pick to Seattle to try and avoid taking our player. Remember when the Cardinals had a 40-man roster crunch a couple of years ago? I feel like that's every year. (laughs) There is some truth to that. But it was when they were shuffling through all of those outfielders. And so Adolis Garcia was actually one of the victims of their roster reshuffling. He was a 40-man guy. The Cardinals had decided he's not a part of our long-term future. We've got players behind him, such as Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader, Randy Arozarena at the time. They had a bunch of guys. They were like, hey— we view these players as being more talented and better options for us than Adolis Garcia. Yeah. So they traded him for cash considerations to the Texas Rangers. That's kind of similar to what you're talking about here. Doesn't mean these are bad players, but instead of losing them for nothing and DFAing them in baseball, or in this case, losing them in the expansion draft for nothing, you might as well recoup an asset for them. Yeah. And that's something that I could see the Cardinal or, or the Blues rather in this situation potentially doing. I just think it's more likely than not that Doug Armstrong looks at that 16th overall pick, and it'll probably wait till they get to the draft, right? You'll look at kind of what the mocks look like and who's picking where and what name could be available to you. If it's a player they feel like that can help them in two years that might be a steal, then you keep that pick. But if not, I think you make a move so you can acquire a big-level talent. But it all comes down to the negotiations and finding out what team is willing to give up something 
for a future asset rather than an asset that can help them now. I feel pretty good about Kachuk, O'Reilly, Perron, Shin, Kairou, and whoever that veteran is. And then your third line being something like Costin, Sonny, Blay. Sounds pretty good to me. I think you bring back Tyler Bozak still, but yeah, I'm on pace. Frankly, your third and fourth lines, you need an identity there because we saw what happens when you don't have it, but you have guys who can fill those voids. You don't have guys who can fill a top six role for you. Clifford, Barbie, and Blay, if you do end up bringing back Bozak as your third line center and then going with Clifford, Barbie, and Blay as that fourth line, there's your identity. You're you're pretty much set up there. And then on top of it, you got guys that are, you know, Austin Pagansky, Dakota Joshua, guys who can step in and play those fourth line roles for you. You feel pretty good about it. With Alex Ferrario, Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we've got a Ferrario 5 for you. The five most important Cardinals people, not necessarily exclusively players, Cardinals people for this team to have a winning month in June. We'll get into that in about 15 minutes. Coming up next, though, let's dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. With Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the junk drawer. And boys, where would you say St. Louis ranks among the best Midwest cities for a weekend getaway? I think it's pretty pretty high up there. Yeah, yeah, what's the what's the cutoff for Midwest? So that's the tough part. Everybody people kinda... like consider Colorado Midwest. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? So this is according to this is a poll from uh, US News, their travel section. They put together their list of the best Midwest cities to go for a weekend getaway. So it doesn't look like they include Tennessee in this. How big's the list? How many? Let's see here. It goes all the way down to number 27. Uh, Branson, Missouri's got to be number one. It actually is pretty high up on this (laughs) list. That doesn't surprise me. (laughs) Branson, Branson, Missouri is the Vegas for Midwesterns. It is number three. (laughs) Number three (laughs) on the list. In the entire Midwest? In the Midwest. So Chicago, of course, is number one. It's a fantastic city to go up to for a weekend getaway. Tennessee's not on this, so Nashville and Memphis are out. Nashville and Memphis not on this, but they would be... I think right behind Chicago, Nashville and Memphis would be up there. For yeah, me. I would probably go Memphis two, Nashville three. But I'm I mean, Branson would be number two one. Is. I, Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor, town. Michigan, where the University of Michigan that's is located. Midwest. How is that Midwest? Well, people really don't say the. N- Isn't that the North? north? The Mid North. <laughs> Why wouldn't that be the Mid North? That's like the Great Lakes states. It's tough though to be able to classify them. Michigan is great, man. You go up to Michigan oh, every summer. Michigan. You're yep. going up there in a couple of weeks, Yeah, right? we go in July every year for my wife's birthday. Her uncles live up there, and they live in Douglas or Saugatuck, Michigan, and it's right on the Lake Michigan oh. beach. Nobody's there. It's a, it's a perfect getaway. So, yeah, I get it. I just didn't know Michigan was considered Midwest, but okay. <laughs> it's so hard to know for sure what is right. and is not at so, this point. So, I, I, we've Kansas got the top City, three. Kansas City's got to be at least number five, right? Chicago, Ann Arbor, Branson is your top three. <laughs> How the hell is Branson, Branson in those other two conversations, man? I'll say St. Louis is 15 to 20. I would say St. Louis has got to be like. 12. Milwaukee is number four. Great place. Never been to Milwaukee. Indianapolis, underrated. Underrated as a weekend getaway is number five. Driven through it a couple times. Looks pretty boring. Minneapolis is number six. The great thing about Indy is that everything's walking. Everything everything is downtown, and everything is within walking distance for you down there. And that's where I'm from, but I think that's comparable to St. Louis. Indy? Yeah. The downtown, I think, is... I think St. Louis is getting there, especially with the soccer stadium, the way they're building everything up down there. Indy's downtown. There's 
There's a decent amount to do down there for a weekend. You can't go for like a week. There's not enough for that. And there's not a better place to host a Final Four. It's great. Someone just asked a damn great question. How is Michigan in, but Tennessee is not? I tend to agree with that. Uh, Minneapolis is number six. I have never been. I've heard great things. Cold up there. Summer getaway. Great place. Went to the Final Four there a couple years ago. St. Louis is at number seven. Hey! Yeah! St. Louis beat Kansas City. We're all very proud. How the hell did Branson, Missouri beat St. <laughs> Louis, Missouri in this list? I will say this. I got to stick up for the 3-1-4 here because I'm the hometown guy. St. Louis is a great weekend getaway city, especially in the summer. You go to some breweries. You go to the city museum if you've got kids. Man, do you remember the city museum? What do you mean, do I remember the city you museum? Don't, you, don't get, do. you don't get to go when you're an adult because people look at you like you're weird. You don't? I haven't been in like 10 years. Oh, the city museum's great, man. love the city museum. Um, there's Branson. great. Branson. <laughs> how the, seriously, how the hell is Branson on this? And I got we got people texting in saying, BK Ferrari, you guys suck at softballing and geography. Tennessee's in the south. Yeah, I understand it's it's technically in the South, but it's also technically in the Midwest because if Michigan's in the Midwest, Tennessee's in the Midwest. I Yeah, if you're going to have the liberal definition of Midwest going all the way up to Michigan, I feel like you also have to include it to, to the east side of us. But whatever, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, where's Tra- Des Moines on this? Traverse City? Traverse City Michigan, Michigan. in Michigan. What the hell is that? They do the, they do the prospect tournament every year in hockey up there. Okay. Well, they're at number eight. That's all I really know that they got going up. Michigan must be the spot because Ann Arbor, Traverse City. I'm pretty sure we're probably going to have a couple of other Michigan cities there. So there's a couple more Wisconsin's coming up. Springfield, Illinois is at number nine on this list. (laughs) We have not yet arrived at Kansas City. Land of Lincoln, baby. That's the armpit of America. I don't know how Springfield's in top ten. Someone just said, you guys need to take a trip to Branson to understand it. Sir or madam, I have been to Branson probably every year from the age of five (laughs) until 18. I've been there plenty. Uh, Kansas City is at number ten. Listen, oh my God! How do, how do you feel that Springfield, Illinois, and <laughs> Branson, great. Missouri beat out Kansas City? Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Yeah. You got you got the Jazz in in that city. I mean, like, come on! This is incredible. Someone's saying when I went to the Cayman Islands years ago, people from there told me they love going to Branson, Missouri. <laughs> really? What is going on? This is a great discussion. I understand. Man. Like, they got great golf spots. You got now uh, Payne's Valley, Tiger Woods' new course. Do you, if you if we're talking about Branson, do you consider Table Rock to be a part that's, of the Branson that's, area? That's it. I think you have to consider it because it's right and next ta- to Table Branson. Table Rock is fantastic. In my have opinion, you been, Marty, I have not been to Table in Rock. In my opinion, Table Rock's better than Lake of the Ozarks. So it's very different. Table Rock, if you're going with the family, is much more family friendly. Okay, that makes sense. It's, for it's me, very man. chill. Like you can go out there, and there's not the wake is not you're feeling like you're on the ocean. It's not um, condoms so it's, floating in the water. You think it's big time underrated compared to the Ozarks? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I've it's, always it's a really thought good that. Time. It's much more chill. If you're looking for a party weekend, go to the Party Cove. You're going to um, Horny Toad, different places out there. Um, it's That's it's, why it's on the list, because you got a name called <laughs> Horny Toad out there. It's a restaurant bar at the Lake of the Ozarks. Like, there's stuff to do out there I'm that sorry, is more party scene. But, but when but. I hear Branson, the only thing I think of is the 76 strip, where it's just 
parked cars going to see Jim Stafford and Soji Taguchi or Tabuchi or whatever the hell the fiddler's name is. Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede. Hey, I that's a good spot. It is a good spot. The food it, underrated there. Great spot. But all I think of are retired Ripley's, individuals. Believe it or not, Wax I, Museum. I think of retired individuals that are trying to get away from Don't the you have that Titanic, young crowds. Oh, my uh, God. The Titanic Museum's incredible yeah, there. It's great. Springfield, Illinois. But Springfield... <laughs> Lincoln Being above KC is the land of Lincoln, amazing. like seven spots ahead of KC. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin, as we continue down this list, is at number 11. Green Bay is number 12. Cedar Rapids, a place that I've never been, is at number 13. Speaking of Iowa, you ever been to Iowa City? That's great. I've heard good things, have never been. Lake of the Ozarks all the way down at number 15 on this list. So Cleveland, Ohio is number 16. That I've makes... actually heard good things about no. Cleveland as a weekend getaway. My sister lived in Cleveland for a year, and she's like, you couldn't pay me to go back to that city. It is always dark and rainy and cold. Again, you've got to remember that Midwest is great in the summer. I've been there in the summer. It's dark, it's rainy, and it's cold. <laughs> With what okay. he just described Touché. as Cleveland, Cincinnati's a lot worse than yeah. Cleveland. They got the rock and Cincinnati roll Cincinnati comes thing. in at number 19. Okay, I got to know, what's what's the last one on this list? So Detroit is number thir- er, 23. Okay, that makes sense. Although I'm sure our guy Stoltz would disagree with that. Dubuque is at number 24. <laughs> South Bend is number 26. And McKinnick Island is Mackinac number 26. Island. No cars. Been there. Horrible trip. Really? Yes. Smells well, like horse manure that on the, is the entire place. That is the final place on this list. Again, props to you, Branson, Missouri. You guys ever seen a game at South Bend? It's worth going once. I have not. Uh, I would love to go. Yeah. I would love to go. Someone said maybe the survey was taken by a newspaper. Probably, because I can guarantee you, I don't know how many young kids are looking at this list going, let's go to Branson <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> by I the way, actually, I think Branson is a great weekend getaway. Number three is a little aggressive in the Midwest. By the way, I'm going to Branson next weekend. Are you really? Yeah, that's Weren't you just there? No, <laughs> that's our that's our family vacation. Not a fan of Mackinac Island, huh? Oh, my God, no. My, Kate, my wife and I, we took a trip is there. Is Arkansas considered? Hot it's Springs the south, is right? right. I haven't been to Arkansas. My wife and I went to Mackinac Island on one of our first vacations together. We went up there for a weekend. First of all, we drove, which we didn't realize it was like a 19-hour drive because it's at the tip of Michigan. Then we didn't understand that, like, if you don't stay on Mackinac Island, you have to, like, pay a ferry to get to Mackinac Island. And when you're at Mackinac Island, it's basically walking, riding your bike, or smelling horse poop the entire time. I don't understand how Ohio is considered the Midwest. But Kentucky and Tennessee well, are not. A lot of people are calling me stu- us stupid, BK, because of the Dixie line. Idiots. The Mason-Dixon line. The Dixie. Oh, I, th- I was thinking Dixie Stampede. <laughs> it's close, a little different. Gotta go to Branson and visit Crazy Craig's Cheeky Monkey Bar and Horny Toad. <laughs> this is why Branson is on this list, fellas. I'll have to talk to the wife Wait, the Horny that. Toad's not in Branson? I thought you said it was. No, it's at the Lake of the Ozarks. Very different. I'm pretty sure there's Very a horny different. toad in Branson. I'd rather go to Springfield, Missouri than Springfield, Illinois. Yeah, you get the the Lamberts, the home of the th- Throne Rolls. Throed. Throne. I think it's Throed. No, Throat. <laughs> what? <laughs> Without Rory and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon <laughs> Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes I? or so. <laughs> if Aaron Rodgers is not back with Green Bay, then who the heck is going to beat the Bucks in the NFC? We'll talk about that in 15 minutes. But Alex has a Ferrari 05 for you next on 101 ESPN. And the organization, the front office, has over a month and a half to figure out how to best manipulate this roster to not only win in a division that is going to beat itself up, 
but to also add pieces so you can next level. I'm not saying you're going to add the pieces that automatically on paper you're better than the Dodgers, but you're going to add pieces that are going to help you beat the Dodgers or help you end up beating the Padres. But the hard part is the next six weeks of figuring out a way to keep yourself in a good spot the next six weeks are going to be tough for the Cardinals. The next month really is going to be tough for the St. Louis Cardinals. And it starts tonight with the Cardinals against the Cleveland Indians. And Justin you got Carlos Bieber. Martinez on the mound. And you have a Justin guy Bieber. that has the last name Bieber and the first name Shane Baby. Oh. on the mound for the Indians. So that is a 7-15 first pitch on Bally Sports Midwest. And the Cardinals are going to have to try to stay above 500, right around 500 in the month of June. And so I put a homework assignment to Alex Ferrario last night. I said, Alex, who are the five most important people within the Cardinals organization for this team to have a winning month in June? So it is time for a Ferrario five, my favorite segment of every week. Yeah, Alex, who are the five most important Cardinals for the Cardinals? Who are the five most important people in the Cardinals organization for this team to have a winning month in June? I'm pumped. Marty, hit the open. Still no open for this. That's fine. We'll make this big time sooner or later. I also wanted to see if I stressed Marty out there, and I didn't. Props to you, Marty. You know what you're doing. Well, you kind of did. Uh, okay. <laughs> Marty's like, what the he hell? I was just told there isn't one. <laughs> Usually I did that to Tanner, and he starts sweating. But anyway, the five for me. So uh, let, let me start with my honorable mention, because I okay. wanted him on my top five, but I didn't put it there. It's Paul DeYoung. Because I do think that the bottom of this order has to be important for the Cardinals this next month. And when he returns, he's going to be critical because I think it's going to be a competition. You need some offense down there. So Paul DeYoung was on the outside looking in. My fifth one of importance for the Cardinals in this next month is Yadier Molina. I think it really comes down to managing this pitching staff and finding a way to get the most out of these guys. Now, we don't know what the injury situation looks like for Yachty. Hopefully, it's not too severe and he'll be in the lineup later on today. But we all know how the Cardinals training staff seems to go with this stuff. So Yachty's my number five, though, because it comes down to the bullpen, managing those innings with those guys and making sure that they're mentally prepared and getting the most out of your starters, whomever that may be, with KK or with him out of the lineup. So Yachty's number five. The fourth one for me is a group and hole. It's the bullpen because I think they are going to well, be that's critical. okay. You want to give a BK answer. Let's throw the other eight pitchers out there. You never said it has to be one person. You said it has to be a person. And okay. I consider the bullpen a person. Okay. Because look, whoever that's coming out of the bullpen, BK, you're going to have to have more than one inning and the two walks in a game, you have to keep those down to a minimum. And okay. I think that ties in with Yachty. I know you don't like it, but whatever. Deal with it. <laughs> Three is KK. And I thought Wayno, but we all know what Wayno's going to give you. We thought John Gantz. That's a good answer. John Gantz is exceeding expectations. Carlos is going to be Carlos. Oviedo's going to be Oviedo. KK's the one that's in the middle for me because he showed ace potential last season. He showed number two starter last season. This season, he's shown that I think he should be in the bullpen for you. So you need something in between. And I think that's why it ties in with Yachty, because if KK is not good for you, if he's not healthy, or if he's not giving you six innings of work on a nightly basis when he starts, you're in a world of hurt this month. Because I don't know if these other guys can, and that's why I didn't put Wayno on here, because you know Wayno's going to go out and do that every single game. So KK was number three. Number two is Paul Goldschmidt. Because I think he is critical to get back to the numbers that Nolan Arenado has been providing. You need that one-two punch at the bottom, at the top of the order. 
He's been in and out this season, but I think Paul Goldschmidt comes down to these four games against the Reds where you had the chance to take the lead or win the game, and it always comes down to a Paul Goldschmidt double play that happened earlier or a Paul Goldschmidt pop out that ends the inning where the big-time hit needs to come through. Number one in my Ferrari 05 for this, which I think is pretty obvious, it's Michael Gersh. Just kidding, John Mozeliak. This this month comes down to Mo. Yep. Because it, it, it has to be the right decision. If he opts to wait till the trade deadline, well, then you have to hit the jackpot come trade deadline time and get yourself a guy who makes you a World Series contender. If you go now and you tra- make a trade with a team to bring in a pitcher, well, then you better hit gold with that pitcher that's going to be expecting to come in and exceed expectations. So this month, it all comes down to John Mosellock for me because if you don't make a move, well, then you better make damn sure you make the right move come trade deadline. We time. have the same number one. I have John Mosellock at the top of my Does list that mean as well. Two through five sucks. No, like the, the the rest of it, we're on the same path. But number one, there's no doubt. I think we're yeah, on the same. Has everybody to has to agree. John Mosellock is the most important person for this team to be able to have a winning month. From there, we have similar concepts, similar ideas, but we we diverge a little bit. My number two is Carlos Martinez. I think Carlos has to step up for this team to be able to reach what it needs to be this month. Carlos has the potential to be a legitimate number two starter, even when you're healthy. We saw it early in this season. Remember, he said the tsunami is coming, and then the tsunami came, and it was him getting blown over by the tsunami, and he ended up not making it through the first inning what against the Dodgers. when a tsunami gets taken out? I don't know. I hope that that doesn't happen. Called the IL like stand. Problematic. Um, Carlos is number two for me. He needs to step up because I feel like I know what I'm getting more or less out of Adam Wainwright this year. I know what I'm getting out of John Gant, and it is topsy-turvy. There is a lot of turbulence, but it's effective more often than not. Carlos, I don't know. And he needs to be consistent. He needs to give you innings. For him to be able to do that, that changes what I expect from this team. Number three for me is kind of on the line of what you're thinking with Paul Goldschmidt. I went with Nolan Arenado. Nolan for about two weeks has been a little, little off. He started to get things back on track over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. He was seven for eight at the plate. He needs to be that guy for you this month. He needs to have his best month that he's had in a Cardinals uniform because this offense is desperately going to need to perform. Not only at expectations, they've got to exceed them. They've got to be better than they've been at any point this year to be able to make it through this. And then my number four is Adam Olson. He's the Cardinals' head athletic trainer. That guy is going to be vital for this team to be able to make it through the next month. That's a good one. At or above 500. Because, God, are they injured right now. So, Adam Olsen, you could have been number two, honestly, on my list. some high expectations for the track record we've seen this season. And number five is KK. No explanation really necessary here. He, If he is healthy after this next week or so, it changes what this team needs. I think it's interesting with KK, too, because it ties into Mo, right? Like, if KK struggles, I think Mo then has to pull the trigger. And, again, you better hit gold when you pull that trigger if you're pulling it before the trade deadline because there's not many options out there. But if KK gives them what they need, some solidity until you can get to the trade deadline – well, then Mo also has to become big time there because you have to get an upgrade, whether it be Max Scherzer, Jose Barrios, or somebody. Like you can't go, you can't go 
pond fishing. You need to go like deep sea fishing when it comes to the trade deadline time. I liked that. You liked it? Yeah. It came off the top of my head. I wasn't even thinking about that. Can't go into the little stream behind your house. You, you got to go into the deep end. Okay. Well, why are you changing my, my comparison there? I said pond and now you're going stream. <laughs> Sorry. So KK is officially eligible to return from the IL on June 15th. So that is a week from today. They have two off days this week. They can make it through. He would basically have to miss one start if he is truly going to be back after the 10 days that is required on the IL. I hope that they're right, and that's all it's going to take. I just always have some concern about these back things. This thing popped up in spring training, and it is still an issue for him in mid-June. Backs aren't that important for baseball players, right? It just seems like that. I, I wonder, Alex, we've been talking all year about how he hasn't been as as consistent as he gets deeper into games. He has yet to go six innings so far this season. I wonder if the back issue is something that has popped up for him at times this year. That is, that is 100% speculation by me. Maybe it's unfair to do so, but... When there's a guy that hasn't lived up to expectations performance-wise, you're always wondering if it's a lot injuries. of the time there's a there's a reason why, and I wonder if there's something physically that's but been ailing him. That'd be so weird too because it's been a command issue for KK. Like he can't get the ball placed correctly, which is why his pitch count gets so high, which why he's not able to get through five or six innings because his pitch counts at like seventy or eighty by the time he leaves in the fourth. Maybe his back's maybe he's having spasms or something. You know, I just don't know. I don't know what's going on there, yeah. but. Um, he he's got he is vitally important. You had him at number three on your list. I've got him at number five. You could make an argument that he's number one because he might no. determine what John Mosellock ends up doing here over the next. See, month I, or so. I don't think anybody changes like it, this. All is on Mo, and I know in the past we've always been so critical on John Mosellock, and we've told people like, hey, give the guy a break. He's done a really good job. You made the incredible acquisition of Nolan Arenado this offseason. Now you have to build off of that. You can't just stand pat and say, oh, we'll go get ourselves Jordan Lyles and be good to go. So 116, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Hey, we have an awesome giveaway for you guys today. At the end of the show today, if you've been listening all day long, you will be rewarded. We'll ask a you listen, you win question. If you text in to the text line 65780 again at the end of the show today, if you have the correct answer, you will be able to be a winner of a pair of tickets to Point Fest. Oh, We're giving away a pair every day this week. You listen, you can win. You got to listen to the whole show. And then at 145 during the crossover, tune in, make sure you're listening then, and you will have an opportunity to win a pair of tickets to Point Fest. We'll give those away coming up here in about 30 minutes or so. Coming up next, if Aaron Rodgers is not back with Green Bay, who the heck is the threat to beat the Buccaneers in the NFC? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is a real thing when training camp hits in terms of Findable money. To me, that becomes sort of the point where these two sides have to say, okay, are we going to find a way to make this work? Or is it true? Is this real? Do we really need to send Aaron Rodgers elsewhere? Right, so to me, this is going to drag on for another month or so. The NFC is wide open. And if Aaron Rodgers is back with the Packers, they would you would consider to be a top contender along with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Alex, let's go down this hypo hypothetical path for a second. Let's imagine that Aaron Rodgers is traded and he ends up going to a team in the AFC. If that ends up being the case, you no longer have Aaron Rodgers in the NFC. Drew Brees retired this offseason. Who is the threat to the Bucs in the NFC? Because those were the two teams that all of us considered to be the biggest threats to them in the NFC last year. Who then takes that mantle as the top threat to the Bucs? 
That's a great question because I don't think it's anybody from the NFC North. And I don't see Jordan Love being that impressive. And frankly, I don't know if they're going to have Devontae Adams if Aaron Rodgers goes because uh, he was pretty audibly pissed off about not being or not having Aaron Rodgers back. I would say the, the competitors for me, I guess I'd look at the Dallas Cowboys, but that defense is embarrassing. So I don't really know how that's going to make that much of a difference. I think the only competition for Tampa Bay comes to the Super Bowl. I think it's a clear path to what Tom Brady wants in an undefeated season. I think it's a clear path, at least through the regular season, because I don't see much competition in the NFC. I think there's four teams. Wow. There's four teams that could even live up to those possible expectations. Two of them that I'm not super high on, but I think at least deserve mentioning. You mentioned the Cowboys. That's one of them. The Seahawks, I think, at least could give them a game. Even with... Russell Wilson's problems right now? Yeah. I, I think if, you, if you've if you got a team that is healthy, I think the Seahawks can, on any given Sunday type of a thing, they're a team that can play with the Bucks. The two that I think are the biggest threats, though, and I know this isn't going to play well here in St. Louis, and I apologize. You can tune out for like 10 seconds here. I think the Rams deserve to be mentioned. You make a huge upgrade at quarterback going from Jared yeah. Goff to Matthew Stafford. You bring back Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey defensively. You've got one of the five to seven best head coaches in the league. I think the Rams this year have the potential to be quite good. Will they live up to that? I don't know. There, there are some question marks on that roster as well, especially in the secondary surrounding Jalen Ramsey, but they're a team that deserves to be in that conversation. The team that I would probably put at number one in terms of the contender list, along with the Bucks in the NFC, I think I would go with the San Francisco 49ers. Hmm. And I think it would require them to either – get a career year out of Jimmy Garoppolo the way that Alex Smith had a career year the first year that the Chiefs had just drafted Patrick Mahomes, or they would need, uh, what's his face, from North Dakota State, Trey Trey Lance, to come in and immediately be fantastic. But they would be my pick, the San Francisco 49ers, to potentially be the team that upsets the Bucs in the NFC. I'm not sure there's anybody else that can do it. What about Washington. I think there's a ceiling to what you're doing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think they can make the playoffs. I would not be surprised if they win that division. Yeah, I'm thinking I do more not of think that defense, though. I'm thinking more of that defense to where, I mean, they, they kept Tampa in check there for a little bit in that game in the playoffs, and they were playing with Tyler Heineke, Heineke whatever the Kaka's name is. I mean, you give yourself a decent quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick with that receiving core and for how good that defense was – Maybe Washington can at least make some noise against them. I think they could. I mean, it's possible. They they had a really good game in the postseason against the Bucs. I mean, they had them against the ropes there for a while. They probably played the best game against Tampa just Bay. Just because in they the didn't have the quarterback. I just think that you're going to run into some. There's a glass ceiling, in my opinion, at least, with Ryan Fitzpatrick as your starting quarterback, and I think they're going to see that this year. I do think Rams are a good pick, and, and I know people hate to hear that, but look, I mean, you match Jalen Ramsey up with their best receiver, and you're talking about an even split there. Aaron Donald with the pressure. The Rams' biggest issue has always been a quarterback, and now you got somebody who just needs legitimate weapons. And if Matthew Stafford can stay healthy, that's a dangerous team. They're a team that I think has the potential to make it out of the NFC this year. I, like I said, I think there's probably five teams that I would put in that category. I think it's the Cowboys, Rams, Seahawks, 49ers, and then the aforementioned Bucks. Those are, for me, the five teams that I think going into the year have a shot. I don't think anybody's going to knock them off, but number one on my list is the Rams, followed by the Seahawks. Um, but 
I have an intriguing team, and it is a tough division, but do you think finally the Cardinals break through this year? I don't trust their coach. I don't trust their quarterback. <laughs> you don't like Murray? No. I do. I like Kyler Murray. I think he needs a new coach. I, I was very much behind the idea of hiring Cliff Kingsbury. I thought it was smart. I thought it was inspired, and it just hasn't worked. I don't think he has translated to the NFL game the way that I expected him to. But he's got a hell of a draft set up. He does. He, he's, he's a very handsome man, and he has a wonderful setup for the oh, NFL draft. I didn't go there. I just don't know that he's a great NFL head coach. I think he makes some questionable decisions at times, but they've got the talent. They, they've got I, – I do believe in Kyler Murray's talent. I really do. I think he's, he's a special kid. Does this change if Rodgers goes to New Orleans? Well, yeah. I don't think that the Packers would, would trade him what there. What if they but, give the best piece for him? I mean, if, if the Saints somehow made that work, and again, I would be – absolutely stunned if the green bay packers were willing to trade him within the conference they would become the favorite immediately i would put them even above the bucks yeah like i think they would be the the best team in the nfc and i think it would be a collision course between them and probably kansas city to make it to the super Bowl. someone said no love for the vikings or defense completely revamped yeah but their quarterback's not completely revamped and kirk cousins is awful well that leads me to my point if rogers isn't there do you think Anybody in the, that division can win it? Or do you still go with the Packers? I think that division's the NFC East of this past year. What about the Bears? I mean, I'm a Bears fan. I don't really like what they've done, but they have improved. And they're not playing Justin Fields, though. Yeah, they're I think, playing the Red Rocket. Okay. Yeah. What do you mean, okay? He's a phenomenal quarterback. Yeah. Justin Fields he will be playing by the second half to of week a six-win season. Justin Fields will be playing by the end of week one. He, he will be wow. your starting quarterback going into week 95%? 95%. 99%. Uh, Justin Fields is not sitting the bench well, this year well, for the Bears. 99% no of Chicago hopes you're right. Wait, there's well, no chance. Isn't it, isn't it Red Rocket, Super Bowl champion Nick Foles, then Justin Fields? Yeah, and by the end of week one, it'll be Justin Fields, wow. and then it doesn't matter They're going to go that. through the first two guys in week one and be like, oh, okay, I guess we got to go to this guy now. I think you guys are a little low on the Vikings. I would say the I think the Vikings would have to be considered the favorite going into the season. No, I like the Vikings. Division. I just don't like Kirk Cousins. I don't think they have any chance of winning the Super Bowl or beating the Bucks in the playoffs. I do think they would be my favorite in that division if Rodgers is traded, though. I like your Washington call with Chase Young. That defense is pretty nasty, and they came on last year. I as a sleeper team this year, well, especially to make the their weapons. Offensively. They also went seven and nine last year, though. As much as we loved them, and I'm with you guys, I I think that they're going to be a real threat in the NFC East. They still win 7-9, and and the only reason they made the playoffs is because the rest of that division stunk. Why do you hate Washington, D.C., BK? Well, there's a couple of reasons. <laughs> With Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, how much credit does Mike Schilt deserve for shining a light on this substance issue that pitchers are dealing with? We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. This is going to be a huge deal, and it could start as soon as a week from today. The union is in concert with this. There have been conversations with Major League Baseball, the union, uh, the umpires. There was a conference call on Friday. A memo is going to go out to teams probably later in the week, and the orders will go to the umpires to enforce a rule that's already on the books, and it is going to, it is going to be remarkable to watch. There is going to be some changes that are taking place in baseball over the next couple of weeks, it sounds like. According to Buster Olney, and there's been other reports elsewhere that have kind of confirmed this, Alex, umpires are going to start checking. 
for the substances that we have talked so much about, the six sticky substances that are more than just rosin and sunscreen that pitchers are using to get that, that extra grip on the baseball, it increases their spin rate and makes them, according to Eno Saris of The Athletic, 30% more effective with their spin rate than what they would be otherwise. And this is a really big deal. It's a massive change in baseball i didn't think we were going to see this before the new cba took effect because it seemed like something that the players and the owners would not be able to agree upon i think mike schultz deserves a lot of credit for this if it goes well if it doesn't go well well that's on baseball but the fact that they are cracking down on this i think is in part because of what we heard after the game when giovanni gallegos's hat was confiscated and this is what mike schultz said post game Hitters don't mind the grip. They don't want the stuff that's making the ball do wiffle ball stuff. And that's the issue at hand here. So you want to police some sunscreen and rosin? Go ahead. Get every single person in this league. Hit by pitches will just continue to go up. Balls will get away. But why don't you start with the guys that are cheating with some stuff that are really imp- impacting the game and impacting how people play this game. And that's the, that's the integrity of the game I'll speak up for. Popular, I really don't care. It's accurate. I think that changed everything. I think that was the moment where this went national. There had been pieces that were written about it, but nobody publicly within the game, whether it be a player or I guess Trevor Bauer had been talking about this a little bit, but not at the same. It wasn't in the limelight the same way that this was with Mike Schilt. There was a moment in a game that took place, and then Mike Schilt basically took the Band-Aid off, ripped it off, and showed everybody the scab that baseball has on it right now. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. And I don't think it's what he said. I think it's the way he said it. That's a good point. I mean, he was really aggressive with I mean, I, we talked about it yesterday. We saw it on the television during a commercial break and him using his hand gestures. I mean, the man looked like he was from the Goodfellas movie or something, but he was so aggressive with his point that I think it made people listen. It made the officials go into what's going on with baseball. And again, I, I would give some props to um, to Joe West in this situation as well because I, I, I applaud the man for not tossing Giovanni Gallegos because I think if you toss Giovanni Gallegos, does the situation just get thrown under a limelight a little bit more or where people aren't talking about it as much and they're just looking at that individual player? But I think the fact that they kept him in the game, let him pitch through it, and saw that the substance wasn't really affecting the situation, then Mike Schilt goes out and addresses kind of how you can't just individualize one player. You got to go through everybody. I think it all kind of meshed together for Major League Baseball to look at it and say, okay, this needs to be affected. And now it's not just Trevor Bauer coming out. I saw Mike Trout mention earlier today who's still injured, but saying like, hey, regulate the game the right way so that everyone's on the same playing field. You're getting more superstars coming out, but I'm with you. Mike Schilt deserves credit for what he said and how aggressive he was speaking about it. What are some other things that have changed in sports because of a specific instance? Because I think this, we we knew we have known for a couple of years now that this has been taking place. There have been pieces that have been written about it. It's kind of been on the outskirts of the sport. There's been murmurs of, hey, there's something going on with these baseballs, whether it be from the hitters where it's the juiced balls kind of, or from the pitching side where they're doctoring the balls with these substances, we've known. But this was a specific moment in a game where Giovanni Gallegos had his hat taken away by Joe West, as you're talking about, and that kind of it brought it to the forefront. It was no longer something that Major League Baseball could ignore. I was thinking about this last night. There were a few things that immediately came to mind. I'm curious if you guys have anything that came to mind for you as well. 
the Buster Posey play at the plate where they were like, you know what, we got to fix this. Yeah. There, there's no more of these because Buster Posey ended up, he had that concussion, he was out for a while, and they they eliminated that from the game. Um, Chase Utley slide into second. You can no longer take out the second baseman on your slide going in, going for the double play. Terrell Owens, I think it was, the horse collar tackle, where I think that was when he broke his ankle, if I'm not mistaken. They eliminated that from the NFL. And then the other one, there were two from Tom Brady. There was the tuck rule, where that was the playoff game against the uh, Oakland Raiders in mm-hmm. the snow. And then the other one that Tom Brady was involved with that changed the game forever was when he got hurt against the Chiefs, Bernard Pollard dove at his knee, and now if you dive at a quarterback's knee, that's a 15-yard penalty. So those are some that came to mind for me. Can you guys think of anything else? I I mean, obviously I think of hockey. I don't know if it's one specific play, but you think of all of the hits to the head that have gone on and how they try and crack down on those as much as possible. The NHL just upheld that... uh, suspension on Nazem Kadri with the eight games so like that one for sure those hits to the head um you know not so much in a, in a negative impact but more of an impact in the game was in hockey when they added that trapezoid for the uh, delay of game behind the net because of Marty Brodeur and how effective he was in that one. situation um the icing call that um the NHL implemented to where they blow the whistle when the puck gets past the faceoff circle because of injuries where when they were blowing it to the first team that touched it, it turned into guys getting hit late and turning into a, a, a poor situation. Those are some that come to mind with hockey. Um, I'm glad you said the Chase Utley one because I thought it was the Rugnet Odor punch to Jose Bautista <laughs> that changed the slide into second base. But uh, at least it was actually a baseball play that changed Somebody that brings up the Des Bryant catch, even though they still haven't completely fixed it. That's another good one. They yeah. at least they tried. It didn't work necessarily. And I actually think that's a good comp for what we're going through right now. I don't think this is going to be fixed yeah. right away. I think you're going to get into some, uh, pardon the pun, some kind of murky, muddy situations here where nice. it's it's not immediately black and white. There's not going to be a situation where you know immediately what that substance is. You're going to kind of have to figure this thing out as you go along, and so it's going to be difficult to police right away. I think that was a good one, the the whole Des Bryant possession of a catch, football move. Yep. I mean, you still see those, you know, people are still not happy with that, you know? What yep. about the hack-a-shack in basketball? That's another good one. That but kind of changed the game, though, because you just don't see that physical prowess anymore. But that's more of a, like, that wasn't a rule change. That was just a strategy, right? Yeah. That would be like fouling up three now, which is something that happens a lot in a late basketball yeah, I game. I guess you're, you're right on that. This one comes from the text line from the 314, the no-call pass interference between the Saints and the Rams in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. That ended up with them reviewing the pass interference calls and then immediately deciding this is a terrible, a terrible decision. Idea. We should yeah. not review the pass interference calls. Talk so about that wasting was, time in the game. That was in and then right back out. The funny thing is, I actually think it's right. I, I, I still believe that should be a reviewable play. The problem was they weren't overturning anything. And mm-hmm. there was no consistency with which they were deciding this is or is not pass interference. So that was that was the big issue there. Yeah. Um, that I don't know if I could think of any other ones, though. And speaking of reviews with the NBA, I'm sure you guys are watching the playoffs. I mean, these games are taking oh, four and a half hours. They're brutal. everything. Fouls. You know, The last two forever. minutes are unwatchable in NBA uh, games right yeah. now. Especially when there's blowouts it. and they're still calling the fouls and the timeouts. It's like when they're like the um, the Suns and Mavericks game the other night. I mean, it was a or it was the Suns and Nuggets where it was a clear win for the Suns. They kept calling fouls. And it's like, what are we doing here, guys? It's a 20 point lead. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line. 
this just seems completely unnecessary. We were having a good time. We were talking about stuff related to baseball. And from the 314, hey, BK, I saw you at the uh, Home Run Derby this weekend. Are they still letting you talk about sports after that pitiful display? Okay, that's, that's not necessary. This is a friendly confines of sports fans having conversations and i thought we we're all friends here it wasn't just bk i was pretty pitiful as well <laughs> hey we're just about a week away now next wednesday june 16th is the dunctionary day at the bud deck at budweiser brew house in ballpark village man if dunk was involved in that thing he would have hit 30 plus homers uh cardinals versus marlins at 12 15 next wednesday you can join us out there to enjoy the game with views looking right into bush stadium we got a few reserved tables for four that remain available grab one of those you can also include included in your ticket rather is a hot dog a beer and a dunctionary t-shirt plus a portion to every table purchase being donated to the chris duncan memorial scholarship fund we'll be broadcasting live that afternoon from the bud deck with bk and ferrario are us being out there from 11 to 2 my understanding is tanner is actually going to be out there someone, as well someone better buy that table than quick because tanner will buy that foot that hot dog and beer before they fast, do fast lane will be out there from two to six it's all right now available at 101 espn.com come out hang out we're gonna have a good time out there next wednesday for the cardinals game coming up next we'll cross things over with the fact Hey, every day this week, we are giving away a pair of tickets, lawn tickets, to see Shine Down at Point Fest. It's on September 19th at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Now through Friday, you can get lawn or select reserve seats for just $19.95. For all details, you can check it out at 101ESPN.com. Now is your opportunity, and every day around this time is your opportunity to win tickets from our show. We're doing a listen to win, so if you listen to the show throughout the day, you've got a real shot to be able to win some tickets to... Um, point fest. All right. So the question today is this, where was Branson on the list of the top Midwest cities for a weekend getaway? We talked about this in the junk drawer today. If you were listening to the junk drawer, you should know the sixth texter at six, five, seven, eight, Oh, is the air comfort service text line to give the correct answer on where Branson was on the list of the 25 best weekend getaway cities in the Midwest. You will get a pair of tickets to point fest crossing things over Jamie rivers in studio. Jamie, what's going on, man? Not much. How are we doing? I I, uh, I didn't know you guys were talking about the popular Midwestern destinations for people to go to. This is what we're here for. Yeah. Uh, do you agree with Branson being in the top three? It's Chicago well, number one. Don't give away the answers. You I, just, what are you doing, man? I I just saved you. You did it last. We, like, oh my gosh. For what it's worth, we already had the winner. I, I'm looking at the text slide right now. We, we've got the winner. They're yeah, already in. What texture do you guys take as the winner? The sixth winner. Sixth or the sixth one? correct okay. answer. Because we, we got some complaints winner. before on the fast lane about Why would you do? Well, we said, oh, the first texture, blah, blah. And then somebody's like, I'm listening on the app. There's yeah. a delay. And we're like, okay. It's like a two-second delay, though, on the app. It's not that significant. Yeah. We didn't time it. We just made it easy and went with 101st. Whoa. (laughs) Who was that easy on? You guys or the guy who was trying to figure out who the 101st one was? Well, Mike Ryder apparently has the uh, intelligence to somehow punch in whatever the 101. I don't know. He figures it out. It's above my pay grade. That was a shot at me, wasn't it, when you said intelligence? You know what I said. You said intelligence and stared at both of us. I don't appreciate that. I wouldn't have stared at either of you. Okay, uh, that's unnecessary. (laughs) That's unnecessary. Chicago, speaking of the list, was at number one. Have you been to Ann Arbor before? Yeah, absolutely. That's at number two on the list. That's that's Midwest? 
That's what, See, I, that's that's what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> that to me is like northern. Thank that's you. Michigan, dude. It's Detroit, yeah. basically. And Minnesota and Michigan were and both Michigan, on this list. geography-wise, huh. is so further Ohio. east than Tennessee. Ohio is too. Apparently, this is really weird. You people down here in USA are weird. <laughs> Canada, we call that north. <laughs> if it's cold all the that's time, we're called the north. You're in the north yeah. in Canada. Uh, Branson was at number three, though. Wow. Seems a little aggressive. You ever to been? Me. Uh, yes, a number of times. Okay, Jamie, so, I grew up in Missouri. Yeah, yeah but that's, that's our Vegas. It's a family somewhere. vacation every year from 5 to 18. Yeah. So here's what you have to factor 18. into this, though, guys. Yeah, is, my family's weird. Do you have a family going with you, right? So you have to understand that most of the population probably has a kid or two or whatever. Are they going with another couple in the kids? Branson's phenomenal for that. You're getting that kind of... Six Flags meets, you know, what, and you've got all the Silver Dollar, Silver Dollar, Silver City. Dollar City. There's Ripley's golf. Believe It or Not Wax Museum. I stayed one time on the golf course there. It was awesome. Which we had golf a lot course? Of fun. They got awesome golf courses. Jamie didn't remember. Isn't, isn't I was on the, the golf course. Is the Tiger Woods one yeah, out there? Yeah, the Payne's Valley's out there. Okay, yeah. So they so, got Soji Tabuchi. You, you ever go done see the him? Titanic place? Oh, it's I incredible. have. It's fantastic. Okay, that was pretty fun. We did that. The kids were like, oh, my God. And then Braden, my one son, he felt the cold water. And he's like, why wouldn't Rose just let him on? <laughs> I'm like, son, that's a really good Did he point. watch the documentary on it? The one with Jack uh, uh, Leo DiCaprio? No, he, he just uh, he was mad at Rose. Understandably, think so. she could have. Uh, there was so much space. On, there was so much bit, space. You know? Jamie, St. Louis was at number seven on this list, and I felt like that was disrespectful. To our hmm. wonderful well, city. I will say this about St. Louis is usually when don't people... Don't say anything you're going to regret. No, I'm not. I, Jamie never says anything he's going to regret. I don't regret much, actually. It's true. Um, so when you punch it up, right, like the outskirts, some of the beautiful suburbs, some of the wonderful things to do in St. Louis, sometimes those get overlooked. And I think that's the unfortunate part about it is when you punch in St. Louis the first thing that pops up isn't always something that's great to go visit. That's fair. And I think that's unfortunate. St. Louis is at number seven. I think that's a little low. When you type in Branson, man, everything just comes up daisies. (laughs) Have you seen them make butter there? I mean, come on, right? (laughs) The churning? It's great. yeah. Springfield, Illinois was ahead of Kansas City on this list, and I just can't stand for that. That's a no-brainer. That's the land of Lincoln. (laughs) It's the land of Lincoln, baby. It's where Lincoln logs were made. So, Jamie, we no, traded for true. Matthew what? Kachuk on our show today. Oh, you did? Yeah, we yeah. made no. the trade for him. We did something similar yesterday. Yeah, I heard, I heard about that. So, Jamie, in the last three weeks, we have made a trade for Jack Eichel, Gabriel Landeskog. Well, we didn't trade for Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, we signed, didn't no, have we, money. Trade, we made the trade for him, possibly, of getting his yeah. rights and free agency. We've also signed Brandon Sod and Kyle Palmieri. Well, I don't know how you guys are going to do all this, but I like your I like We your traded for Seth Jones We traded for Seth oh, Jones wow. after talking with Brian Lawton, and today we, uh, today we got Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, Matthew Kachuk for me is uh, people like to try and slice it up as to why would Calgary get real? He's the franchise. He's got a year left on a deal, basically. That's what you have left. And if you're lucky and if nobody offer sheets him in his restricted one or arbitration, he doesn't get a massive settlement in the arbitration. Maximum you have is two years left of, Max, uh, of Matthew Kachuk. Then he hits unrestricted free agency at 25. Wow. Calgary's not retaining him at no. that point. So if you're the Calgary Flames... You have to look at, okay, right now, the biggest haul we could get is this current time because he's got $7 million on a, basically a one-year deal and then restricted free agency with arbitration. You'd think whoever traded for him would be like, okay, let's eat up the unrestricted right. free agency. Hey, welcome to the team. Here's eight years. And now you have your future franchise player. So that's what people overlook is the fact that Calgary in a year to two years won't be able to retain him. Or what if he doesn't want to stay there? And I'd have no idea. But what if he's like, you know what, you did this retooling, 
it didn't work. We're still not making the playoffs. Right. This is eating away at my career. I want to go somewhere else. So now all of a sudden, Brad Treliving and Craig Conroy up in Calgary going, all right, sixth overall pick. He was fantastic. He was our franchise, and we lost him for nothing. Yeah. That's not a good way. Well, to go. and also, if you're Calgary, you do kind of have to look at the landscape because I know people will say, well, why would they trade him a year before he's a restricted free agent? He's under contract next year. But you look at the landscape of the Pacific Division, like it's not as winnable as you think it's going to be when the divisions go back to normal. You got Vegas that's going to be in it. Seattle's coming into the league. Vancouver shifts into that. Edmonton's back there. Like that's not an easy division to say, Calgary, oh, we'll be good next year. We'll go out there and win, a, win the cup. Well, and you look at the Western Conference, you add the Central Division. Once everything goes back to normal, it's not going to be that easy yeah. to make the playoffs. Right. So what are you going to re- do to retool your team? while trying to maybe trade Johnny Goudreau. There's Sean Monahan discussions right. and Mark Giordano. I can guarantee you this. I, I'm willing to bet a lot of money on the fact that he's going to be left exposed I and agree. Seattle's going to take him. He's pretty much said that he's had those conversations with the Calgary Flames. Yeah. So that being said, what's your franchise look like right. in a year or two? Yeah, and then you go into the expansion draft situation, and you also have to figure out, because there's a couple of guys on the on the chopping block for Calgary. You got Kachuk, who seems like the long shot, but he'd get you the most back. You got Johnny Goudreau, who has been talked in trade discussions. And then you got Sean Monahan, who's also making, what, $6.5 million. But he looks like a legitimate captain for Calgary, just as much as Matthew Kachuk does. Yeah, and let's be honest. Uh, we talk about Gabriel Landeskog. I guess, oh, the big fish out there. I call them the big fish. In BT, I call them the northern pike. because big fish. Good fight. Matthew Kachuk is a shark compared yeah. to Gabriel Landeskog. Matthew Kachuk, you look at his. He would be your number. Like if you were putting together a big board of the offseason wish list for the Blues, Matthew Kachuk would be at number one with a bullet for you. hundred percent. Does that extend the Cup window longer? Well, that's the thing. Is it? It not only does it maintain Doug Armstrong's current conversation about keeping the window open. I think it extends it beyond yeah. because you have a major piece in place. You know you're going to hang on to Ryan O'Reilly. You're probably going to be able to hang on to David Perron, especially if those three play together. Oh, yeah. You got six more years or five more years of Braden Shen, six more of Tory Crew. Like you have your foundation in yeah. place. For Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kylie. Huge congratulations. I believe it was Chris was the winner of the tickets to Point Fest. I mean, they getting his information. Corey. Oh, it was Don. Yeah. Corey. Corey, Don, or Chris. <laughs> One yeah. of the three. Congratulations, Congratulations Corey. on winning the tickets Don to Point Chris. Fest. We'll have another opportunity for you guys to win those tomorrow. I know the Fast Lane has one coming up today from 2 to 6 as well. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 on 101 ESPN. Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.